Oh, Menagia, bro. It's hitting me. Danaja is just a river in Egypt. Good bit. Layers. Collusion at the highest levels. Console Crusade podcast. Console Crusade flu cast, as Chris so eloquently put it. EJ Olsen with Nick Durheim. I'm feeling fine. <laughs> poor Chris Gillyfor. Yep, I'm here. Excited as ever to be here, but you've been fighting a little something, something, and I've been apparently fighting a little something. And Nick, you were waking up from a nap, and so we're, we're kind of a weird, lazy Sunday afternoon pod. I had a kind of a weird sort of nap fiasco today and yesterday, so Uh-oh. it's. It's turning into a thing, but I'll have to break that tomorrow because I have work. A nap fiat? Like, what happened? <laughs> well, like, you know, you get up, you have some breakfast, you kind of laze around for a bit, and then suddenly you're asleep, and then you wake up and you have to do things. And it's like, ah, I was not really prepared for this time travel that I subjected myself to. Are you a, like, a two-hour napper? Like, when you nap, it's a nap. Bro, I don't have time for naps, generally, unless it's on the weekend, and it's like a caffeinated sort of affair where I don't really go deeply asleep and then I wake up and I'm just like, wow, that was weird. A two hour nap. That's a sleep, homie. Nap is like 30, 40 minutes. Brennan can't do it. If Brennan lays down to sleep, it's like his afternoon is gone and it baffles me because he'll be like, I'm going to take a nap. I'll hit you up afterward. Like four hours go by and you're like, is Brennan alive? And he'll FaceTime me with one eye open on the couch. I'm like, are you just waking up right now? I, I am a professional napper. Like, I could lay down, put on an episode of TV, be out in two minutes. I can take a 15 to 35 minute nap, wake up like nothing ever happened. Must be nice. Yeah. And then that usually doesn't fuck up my sleep schedule if I stick to the short nap. If I go a little weird, like what's been happening lately is I'll like nap for like 15 minutes and I want to nap a little bit more. So you fall asleep and then that turns into an hour and then you wake up all fucked up. And that I don't like those, but that, that's what happened the other night. Those aren't fun, but... Anyway, we're here to uh, to talk about some stuff. Hmm. We're gonna get through it. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. It'll be a little <laughs> little low energy, maybe. I, I we'll get through it. I joked that I'm like I'll try not to get up and vomit in the middle of this, but like I am I am fighting the nausea right now. It's very hot in my room. No body aches though, which is good. I've had body aches for three days, so I'm kind of hoping that whatever happened was in the middle of the night was sort of the peak of it. And now we're we're coming down, boys. Hopefully, yeah. so. Let's just dive right into this. I know Brennan's not on this week. We just did our quarterly update, but so much happens in, in this league week to week that we kind of lose a lot of the shit talking and yeah. a lot of the some of the fun stuff when we do the quarterly updates because it's like, oh, that happened three months ago. Well, this weekend was arguably the busiest for a few reasons. Oh, EJ, I'm sorry. I, I already told Chris this, but I was planning on doing this barrage last week. But I just got busy with work and I wasn't getting home as early. So I just didn't end up pushing through with it. So this worked out. That would have been more more interesting for Brendan to be on for that. And, I know, you know. I know. It happens. To be fair, he was, I mean, I'll speak for Brendan when we get to that point, but he was mostly, mostly you usually do. this. Yeah. <laughs> you are his Nate. <laughs> okay. So, 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 Nick, Nick, I'll start with you. You mentioned the barrage. We talked about on the podcast last week how you had you had five open slots, a super drop, and two prime candidates for regular drops. So a potential eight slots to work with. And it happened this week. There were nine games being bid on this week. 
all at once. Our cash was all over the place. And there was a lot of good games on the board. So to walk us through what you did, and then I guess Chris and I can get sort of into the machinations of the weekend. Oh, EJ, you have you have no idea. Yeah, Chris trying to put in footwork. So yes, there were nine games bid on, eight of them originating from me. If you look at the timestamps, you will see that I placed all of them at about 9.30 on Sunday morning. So that puts up about <laughs> two, three hours before we recorded. Um, And yeah, those were... Pretty much I set them, I locked them in, didn't really look at them after that. I did go back and change some things because I was worried about the uh, implications of conditional dropping the same game on multiple bids. Like if one bid went through, then I think that the second bid wouldn't go through because it was trying to conditionally drop a game that I'd already dropped based on priority. Right. Same. So yes, I bid on Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name. Uh, Persona 5 Tactica, Viewfinder, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Mortal Kombat 1, and Super Mario RPG Remake with the intent of filling up at least four slots. I figured, you know, EJ, you'd probably try to get two. Chris would probably try to get two. You guys would collide on one of them, and then it would just turn into a wash of uh, plus four games for me. So did you end up with the games that you wanted? Just top level here. Yeah, mostly. I mean, I did the three three games that I put top of the top of the line as far as how much I was bidding on them. I knew that you would only go for one of them because you wanted to have your cash reserves. You you were at $29. And so I put 17 on Mario, Mario RPG and Mortal Kombat because those I think are the highest scores of the of the batch that I I bid on. Everything else was a dollar because those are probably going to be great, but it's like take them or leave them. Chris had $17 to spend. I had $29 to spend. Right. And I knew that Chris wouldn't spend $17 on a game because he has two pickups. So he has to have at least a dollar left for the scraps. You couldn't get two of my $17 games. I mean, I thought maybe that you'd go for like a a bigger spend on whatever game you thought would be more more worth it to you, like depending on what you thought I'd be bidding on. But then hilariously, you did throw in the wrench of the works with uh, Red Dead Redemption Remake. Which turned into a, a side hustle. <laughs> yeah, talk about that, Chris. So this is the first. <laughs> I text uh, Nick and say, hey, how do you get a game added? Because uh, I don't see it on the roster. And Nick, like a, a good league commish that he is, talks me through the process. Uh, I get it added. Uh, and he obviously puts you know two and two together because he's a, a smart lad. And it's like, oh, you're going after Red Dead Redemption Remaster, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, it feels more likely that that's coming out this year which is still not a sure thing than, no, uh, no. than the Elden Ring DLC coming out this year. So I was like, what if... I was like, little did I know that Nick had already put like all eight of these bids on other games out, and I was like, how funny would it be if I could hustle EJ into way overpaying for this fucking unannounced game? Like, what do you think we could get him to put like... 15 bucks on this game like just really overspend on this game desperately trying to get points to beat nick and i was like okay let's let's wait till all the bids drop and let's see how much we can we can get out of him so you two colluded on this he's telling this to you nick that you guys are trying to bait me i was very passive my collusion i can send you screenshots of the text it was chris trying to get me to work with him and i'm just like you know that sounds great i really i i wish for the best for you oh this is a battle between you and ej because i don't really want it 
Like you want information from me, I'm not going to give you information because you're also trying to go for me. Oh so no, like, no, 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 no! You're 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 <laughs> conflating you're conflating these collusions. We're just talking about Red Dead Redemption right now. We're just talking about Red Dead Redemption, which you were all in on, and the record would reflect that you were like, what an exact quote I think is most of my week is messing with EJ. Was here were your exact yeah. words. So anyway, yeah. that was all that we had <laughs> talked about initially. Um, and look at this week. Look at this. Literally most of this week. Yeah, it's great. Um, I so can't anyway, wait to talk about this. Uh, when all the other bids shook out, I was sort of like, damn, maybe I actually will get this game for one dollar. And if I don't, I know that EJ is going to commit money that he thinks I'm committing to get this. And he ended up spending nine dollars on it, which is like you have your one dollar to get a counter pick if, if things uh, go poorly with one of your two CPs, which is like looking more and more likely. We talked about last week. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll take that as a partial win for sure, because my unannounced game is still announced and still has a chance of coming out. So I could still get points on the board. Uh, so that was so that was collusion number one. Then all the bids come out on Thursday. And I'm like, holy shit. All right. Nick went in like this is the plot. Nick, Nick went in. He's trying to befuddle us. So I immediately text EJ immediately text EJ. And I'm like, EJ. We have. We have got to coordinate our efforts here or as Nick just said a few minutes ago, I was fucking right that he's going to count on us bumping into each other, all going for the same games and he's going to walk away with four or five games. So I managed to rope EJ's incredibly, incredibly skeptical ass into an arrangement. He gets bred into the arrangement and we coordinate everything. And I mean, I'm talking down to like. I'm going for Wonder. He's going for Super Mario RPG. We're going to try and get Bren Cyberpunk. And then if Wonder doesn't go, EJ was like, you should drop Pepper Grinder, which was great advice, and then split your money down into all these $8 bids and see if you could peel two games away instead of just one, which turned out to be great fucking advice. Like, I knew that Nick would go top heavy because... There was definitely a, a clear delineation between the Marios and the rest of these games, even though they all have potential. I knew you would go top heavy. And so that was my philosophy is like, he can outbid you for whatever you want, Chris. So going all in on a single game, it's probably not a great idea. No, I totally agree. My concern was that Nick had done more math and that these weren't just $1 bids and that he was like, okay, so I'm planning on one of these top level games. EJ's going to snake it. It's just a matter of which one is it. And then doing all of your lower priority bids with higher dollar amounts to compensate for the fact that you were pretty sure that you were going to lose one of the higher level bids and would have that $17 still. So I'm picturing you spreadsheet guy with all this like trickle down fantasy critic economics trying to figure out how is how much money am I going to have if I lose this one? Okay, I can bid like $9 here uh, and 10 there. And it ended up like not being a thing. So I got a couple good games. Uh, but Nick, I want to loop back to what you were talking about earlier. The, the When I saw all the bids, I was like, what if I could get EJ to coordinate bids and then I could tell you what he was bidding, what like top line game he was trying to steal from you and we could get him to pay a fuckload of money for it and then you could just drop your bid to a dollar knowing you're going to lose it anyway and invest your money somewhere else in exchange for you basically like signing over one of the games that I want to be. Nick was like never really on board with that idea and in hindsight I was kind of <laughs> like there's really no incentive for him to do this. So obviously I didn't give him that information um, except at 3.30 when I p 
put two and two together that you bearded son of a bitch were probably trying to steal Red Dead Redemption from me uh, rather than letting it go. You're going to be more specific with who the bearded son of a bitch is. <laughs> oh, sorry, EJ. <laughs> the Yeti of a man. Uh, yeah, and and texted Nick and was like, I have information. It will come at a price. Not a good way to come begging for help. <laughs> oh, please. Like, I... I knew I was getting at least one game this week, so it wasn't a matter of, like, help me, senpai. It was a matter of, like, I might want to put a knife in EJ's back because I'm pretty sure that he is driving one into mine at this very moment, despite the fact that I've been on the level the whole time with all the information that I was giving you, except for the fact that also I was colluding with Nick. But everything that I told you that we did was true. And then even when I was like, I could, what's to stop me from just telling Nick what your bid amounts are? He was like, well, you could do that. And I did try to do that for a second, which is, again, I'm being 100% honest with you about everything that I'm doing. And you still took Red Dead from me, which $9, hilarious to me to spend $9 on that. But okay, let me break this down from my perspective. First of all, I only had one game slot, right? I had a drop, but the only thing that I could possibly drop is my unannounced slot. So overpaying for the unannounced doesn't matter. Whether I paid a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, it doesn't matter because I only had one game slot that I knew I was going to beat Nick out on something. I bid on every game this week. I had contingency bids on everything. I had money to play with, so I did the math. I'm like, if Nick goes top heavy on this, I will for sure win at least one of these games, and that'll be fine by me. So I only had one slot to play with. The unannounced was just sort of the freebie. I knew DK's not coming out. I know Fire Emblem wasn't going to come out. So here we are. The reports about the Red Dead. Uh, you know, the Korea ratings board and and some of the leaks like fiscal year GTA four, potentially Red Dead, potentially that could be in February, you know, so there's nothing guaranteed. But once that last slot was filled up, I had nothing else to do with my money other than get my counter pick if I have to drop Alan Wake. Right. So so I, I wasn't up against the wall. Nothing you guys could have done or not done would have impacted sort of what I was going to do because I only had the one slot to play with. So. First of all, I knew from the beginning, I suspected that you and Nick were working together. I didn't know to what level, but Brendan and I were in communication all the time about like, Chris is obviously trying to fuck with us. I was assuming from the beginning, you were telling Nick how much we were bidding on things, which is why Brendan and I both lied to you about how much we were bidding. I told you I was bidding like 18, I think. I'm like, okay, if Nick comes in and decides to outbid Chris, he might just bid a, a flat 18 because Chris only has 17. If they're working together, I'll tell Chris I'm bidding 18, then I'll bid 19 or 20, giving myself the best odds in case the collusion was on that level. I think Brendan told you he was bidding eight or six and six on a couple games in case, again, you were feeding information and Nick, like you said, was doing the math and going down like, okay, if EJ bids 18 on this and down the line, well, he's actually bidding 10, so he'll, he'll win out on something. So anyway, we had our bases covered there. We will collude with you in good faith. I won't lie to you about what I'm bidding on. Good I might faith. lie about... Well... I gave you 100% accurate information the entire time. Oh, like your $15 time. bid on Mario RPG? That was pretty accurate, Chris. Obviously, you can outbid me. See, here's the thing, EJ. You're talking about like, oh, if, if, if Chris goes 17 on Mario RPG just in case, you can outbid me. What the fuck point would that be? Like, that's not sneaky. That's literally like first grade math, 18 greater than 17. Like, but I'm just saying you were like, I was honest about what I was bidding on this week. Well, you weren't. I put contingency bids same as you that like, let's say that let's say that you're actually trying to fuck me and bid on wonder, knowing that you can outbid me and getting me stuck with lower tier games. Of course, 
of course I'm going to put $60 on Mario RPG just in case. You did the same thing. Like, this is all basis covering. And I did that at 345 for the record after I realized you were a snaky son of a bitch. I was truthful in that what my priority of the bids was. I'm going to go for Mario RPG. That is my priority. And then I have contingency bids on everything except the two games that you you would ask me not to bid on MK and Brennan asked me not to bid on Cyberpunk. So I changed those bids to $1, put them at the bottom of my priority. And I appreciate it. But I had to have my bases covered and Brennan had to have his bases covered. Nick, I'm sorry. The goal was to take as many of these games from you as possible. It was. I know you still have three slots. I don't put eight games into the, the hopper not expecting people to take their pick of the litter. But there was also a world where where like depending, like if you hadn't gone as top heavy, and you spent all your money, you potentially could have taken everything from Brennan and Chris as well. It, it could have shaken out differently. It could but, have. but the bottom line was, I didn't trust you, Chris, from the get-go. And I even told you that. I was like, listen, I'll talk to you about this, but just know I'm going into this not believing a word you're telling me. So, <laughs> And everything worked out. If what you told me is true, you will have earned my trust, Samuel L. And I think that I have rightfully <laughs> gained it. We never talked about the Red Dead, right? Like, I, of course, wanted that because my only slot left to play with was the unannounced slot. Once I knew reasonably that I was going to take probably one of the Mario games, and if not, you know, whatever. And they, all the games this week look good. But after that, like I said, I only had my unannounced slot to play with. So, of course, I was going to come for Red Dead. I had thought about maybe trying to bet on GTA 4, but Red Dead's the one that has gotten a, a rating from the Korea ratings board. So, if any of them are coming, first that looks to be the one right so at this point like i said it doesn't matter if i had spent two dollars or nine dollars it was completely immaterial so like you got me but like i got exactly what i wanted out of out of this week but we had not talked about red dead i I never was like oh i'm not going to take that from you i said i'm going to go in an rpg remake i won't bid on mk if that's one of your contingencies Uh, i did have wonder as as a backup there in case things got got weird but um i was like okay if nick bids you know, if, if Nick beats Chris with an $18 bid, I want to try to beat Nick with a $19 bid, right? So I was never going to hurt you, Chris, with that. It was only a contingency in case Nick, you know, beat you and and I lost Mario RPG. So anyway, I spent a lot of time doing the math. Brent and I spent a lot of time going back and forth during the workday. And, and Brent, I'm going to throw you under the bus here a little bit, buddy, but he really wasn't on board with some of the um, tactics uh, he was like, well, I'm just going to tell Chris how much I bid. I'm like, no, 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 You just tell him you bid six and six in case he's feeding information to Nick. He's like, well, why don't I just tell him it's 10? Why would I be bidding six? I'm like, just lie to him. Six and six was dumb because I can bid eight and eight. So if I wanted to, and if he had been bidding six and six, I could have just outbid him on anything. What did he actually bid? Well, this is why I also was trying to tell him that because he only bid on, I think, three games. I was like, have contingency bids on every game. I think he wanted to put $10 in. I said, put $10 on every game this week, and you'll win one of them. And he did. He got one of them. He did. And I dropped Cyberpunk to a buck, as the as the ledger shows. Like I did, I did the things I said I was going to do. Even though I was like, why? Like first of all, I don't think Cyberpunk's going to score well. So I was like, y- you can have it. Uh, you of the, uh, I think it's you of the great judgment this year, Brennan. Sorry. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> not going to be. It's not going to be like a seventy-two, but I don't know if it's going to crack eighty. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think this is what redeems... It's like an 83. Yeah, it's going to redeem the game. It's going to redeem CD Projekt Red. Okay, okay, we'll see. I mean, this was an all-day affair. We were setting voice memos, and I, you know, 
poor Brendan's at work getting blown up rent about free. Yeah, dude, seriously, dude. I I went out of service range right after the bids process. So I was literally able to like see how things shook out and then I got into the pass and I lost service. So I was like, this is great because if I have been out there all fucking day just going like, well, I hope I didn't get fucked. Um, that would have been really sad. Dude, I literally text Brendan at one point. I say, I think Chris is doing math for Nick so we can beat everyone out. Chris knows he can't catch up to Nick. At this point, he just wants me to lose so bad. I said, this is revenge for all of our colluding, Bren. <laughs> I was convinced that Chris was trying to fuck me, so I was trying to keep him at arm's length. Nick, you see what you're doing to your friends? Yeah, it's hilarious. You're tearing us You guys are just so ready to collude, but also backstab each other, and I'm just sitting here like, I don't know. Chris wanted to like try to feed me information. Like, I don't need information from Chris. I already know what y'all are going to do. So it's like, I'll, I work with that in mind. Like, I don't think I'm going to get everything. That's a foolish position to try and put myself in. Right. So, yeah, you can have what I let you have. <laughs> so, and you ended up spending too much on Mario. $19 for Mario RPG. You think that's going to be a one-to-one? I didn't spend points? too much because I have nothing else to spend the money on. Again, I have one slot to work with. I know, but that's the, that's the one. Like, you think that's going to do better than Mortal Kombat and Mario Wonder? I just think that's interesting. That's all. No, I think Mario Wonder probably has a higher potential, but oh, I don't you know, Chris. So why didn't you? Why didn't you put that the eggs in that basket? We had talked, and I said I want RPG, and he says I'll take Wonder, and so I. Okay, so you thought there was a world where I would let Chris have Wonder? Like that's the the you you think little of me in that regard. <laughs> forget about forget about in a world. Forget about a world where Mortal Kombat <laughs> One, Super Mario Wonder RPG remake RPG. I think clearly and plainly has the highest potential score wise. I think that like side scrolling Mario could be 85, could be 90. I think that Mortal Kombat could be 82, could be 88, could be 90 if it's like the best Mortal Kombat in literally a decade. Street Fighter 6 got a 92. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like it would have to be a generationally good game. Mortal Kombat 11, I think, was like an 83 or an 84, maybe like an 85. Mortal Kombat 11 is an 88. Well, so there, there you go. Like, is it? Well, then the wow. maybe it's the like definitive edition that dropped a bunch of points. I don't remember. There's like a couple. I think that was the definitive edition. 11 Ultimate is an 88. Okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. So that so they had to improve it for it to get those like that five point bump. I think the original one was an 82 sure. or an 83. Um. So I was like, okay. So fighting games, Mercurial. We don't know. Mario RPG. As we've learned sure. this year, if you remake an outstanding game and you do a good job, it's going to get an outstanding score. It's an 89 on Metacritic on Super Nintendo, and there are no like systems jank to be accounted for, a la System Shock that would cause a really good remake to get dropped point-wise. Um, this is way more in the territory of Metroid Prime, Resident Evil 4, certainly, um, or even Dead Space of like really nice polish. The core of the game still holds up. I just replayed this game not that many fucking years ago. It's a great RPG. It's like unimpeachably good. And now it's going to be playable on Switch. Easily the highest point potential. I worry. I went back last night and I watched a bunch of of the footage of it. And there was just something about it that felt a little Fisher Price to me in a way that I was like, could this be like a 78? Like, could people just be like, hey... It's a classic, but like this was not enough. No, no, no. There is no, shot. no fucking no, I'm, way. I'm putting this strictly in Link's Awakening territory, like high 80s, but it will not it will not breach 90. You think it's going to do the Metroid Prime? No. No. Yeah, that's fair. High 80s would be good. Yeah, I mean, Wonder to me, I mean, the, the new Super Mario Bros. series, like they have not been world beaters 
from a score perspective. So maybe the rebound effect. Yeah, that's you know? exactly the thing. Like this is also the first stylistic change in over 15 years. So I think that that carries a little bit of water. Well, and some people have said, is this really that big of a stylistic change looking at like screen and by yes, screen of each of them? Look, I'm not saying that it isn't, but I am saying if the perception from a lot of reviewers is this is really like a small step forward and a lateral step in other ways, it could be an 83. I mean, some of the new series has scored that low. Sure. Yeah, I'd put the floor at about, you know, low 80s. Yeah, I agree. To the casual Mario fan, the people who are going to be, you know, buying this game and a lot of the people who are going to be reviewing this game like if they had gone like a, a whole new sprite based sort of thing which would have been so cool i would have been so stoked to get a fucking sprite based mainline mario again i i don't think this is a meaningful enough jump from the new super mario bros series yeah, we'll see because it, it's going to be mechanically like that's going to be the thing that differentiates itself and like makes it really interesting will be the things that they do new that's not just the looks like we can only judge yes. the looks because that's the majority of what we've seen we've seen some fun little little things that they do, but that's every Mario game. It's always chock full of interesting and uh, unique uh, level layouts and mechanics that are used once and then never talked about again. To casuals like God is a geek. All Mario's are basically the same, Nick. Yeah, but that's also going to be one reviewer out of 150. Like this is going to be a very reviewed game. That is a much higher potential for more and more casuals to be reviewing the game who think all Mario's are the same. You run, you jump, you get power-ups. And that's as far as they think about it. I mean, yeah, show me where that shakes out in the past. Like you, you get things like Redfall where it's a broken mess and then it gets piled on because it's fun to dunk on it and everyone wants to get their shot in as well. And that gets heavily reviewed. But all the games that get like a ton of reviews are because they're highly popular and usually very, very good. Ooh, new Super Mario Bros. Deluxe got a 79, dude. What? That's a port. Yeah, it's a port. What did the original get? The original got like an 85. Yeah, and that's like the fifth in a series that people were tired of. Yeah, I think the first one got like an 88 on DS, like an 88 or an 89. Yeah. People love the DS and the Wii one. Really refreshing. And then they all got kind of samey, which is again where I'm like, yeah, for sure. High ceiling, but very middling floor, which is why I'm like, RPG is the way to go anyway. And I couldn't have outbid you either, EJ. This isn't a Odyssey scenario where it's like a return to form and a 3D explore, exploration-based Mario game. This is another 2D Mario, so it has a lower ceiling than what like Odyssey did because obviously Odyssey is like one of the highest-reviewed games of all time. Yeah, which is crazy. It, it is crazy. So I don't know. I think it could break 90, but I don't know if it will. I don't know if any of these games, like for sh- none of these games for sure break 90. And then the ceilings for a lot of these games is probably hard 90. How crazy would it be if we get this many 90s in the league, though? I mean, it's it's oh, it's, it's been a such year. a good year. It's been such a good year, man. Oh, God, I cannot wait for these. We games. are eating. So, Nick, you ended up with just to reiterate, you ended up with Viewfinder, Wonder, Mortal Kombat and Shadow Game with the Cursed Crew, which actually looks kind of fucking cool. Yeah. And the it, the studio is just like so consistent in what they make and they always get like mid eighties reviews. So it's like, that's one of those safe kind of unsung hero bids that I knew no one else would be going after. Cause they'd be going after the glamor of mortal Kombat and, you know, cyberpunk, which, you know, cyberpunk, I'm still like kind of iffy on. So I, that's why, that's why that was another $1 bid. And right. now like before I was sitting with five open slots right now, because of my conditional drops, I'm sitting with three open slots, $20 and I can, pick whatever I want for the rest of the year with zero interaction with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> no problems. Yeah. Real quick on, on shadow gambit. 
So I am historically a fan of RTS games. I mean, uh, some of the classics, Age of Empires and uh, Rise of Nations and stuff like that. So it's, I mean, it's combat oriented, but it's like city building and amassing armies and resource gathering. Re- exactly. This is like, to me, and this might be uninformed, but I was like, it's like an RTS XCOM game where it's like combat based, single character interaction. And it's all in this like fantastic cartoony pirate coat. Totally up my alley. I'm like, I might play that. I thought this was a bait bid when I, I thought this and Viewfinder were, were, were bait bids until we looked into it. It was funny the day the bids went live. I was in Discord with Brennan and uh, a buddy of his dropped in who we used to play Warzone with. I haven't talked to him in months, and he drops in. And the first thing you know, we t- we're telling him we're like in the middle of colluding, and he drops in. He's like, "What are you guys talking about?" And we explained to him the league, and he's like, "Oh, that's really cool." He's like, "Who who bid on Viewfinder?" And we're like, yo, that literally is a bid this week. And he told us about Viewfinder. He's like, it's like Portal, but you're using a camera. It's really trippy. Oh, that's that game. Oh, shit. Yeah, that game looks EJ, you can play super the demo. fucking cool. No bait bids, Nick. You were really, truly happy with anything on the list this week. So, uh, Brennan got Cyberpunk. Chris, you got the, the Weeb games. <laughs> I did. I got Like a Dragon, which is probably a safe 8182. Uh, and Persona, which, you know, Tactica, I looked at like Q and Q2 as like a reference point for scores. So I feel right. like mid to high 80s as a ceiling is definitely probable. Um, like these spinoffs, uh, Tactic-based spinoffs are like really popular. They were all good games. They were all good games. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel really happy with RPG Remake. I feel like it does have the highest ceiling, but it also has, I think, the highest possibility for like you know, the variance of like uh, 78 is like an exaggeration, but like I can see sort of the fatigue, like the remake fatigue and like, but, but I, maybe I underestimate how beloved RPG is. You do, you know, desperately, so, desperately underestimate great. how that's, beloved that's great this for game me. is. It is great. And I'm trying to like talk your anxiety down from making you second guess this incredible acquisition. Like it's a great fucking game. Square could put out some some janky remakes, though. It seems like this is a Square joint, just based on that trailer alone and how many shots there were of like a CG cutscene, but with just like no actual audio associated with it, just background music happening. So I think back to like Trials of Mana, and that's like a seventy-eight. That was a remake of a game from the SNES. I mean, yeah, it's possible. I know. Well, that's that was kind of my concern. I'm really happy to have gotten Red Dead, regardless of how much I was spending on it, because again, I don't need my money anymore. Yeah, if that actually comes out this year, then you are you have turned your ship around and you are now sitting very, 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 very pretty, as opposed to just very, very pretty. If RPG hits and Forza hits and Sea of Stars hits, like I'm, I'm comfortably ahead. But Red Dead Redemption is really the. I mean, listen, their fiscal year ends. At the end of March, as as is typical for a lot of these companies, it, it's coming, right? At some point, just when it's just when, and is it going to be a Grand Theft Auto trilogy bad? Well, the the rumors uh, they're just rumors, but the rumors are that this is a more of a proper remake. Talk that it could it's just built on Red Dead Two essentially, which there's no reason not to do that when you have right. Red same Dead Two sitting there. The GTA trilogy was a disaster, and it was yeah they had it some third party do it and it was just a, yeah, they cheaped out yeah it was awful but the gta 4 rumors are also intriguing i would love a proper current gen remake of gta 4 that'd be really cool i've not seen any of that well it, it's just speculated because take take two at their uh earnings report they confirmed that they have two 
re-release is coming and people are just assuming that one of them is Red Dead and one of them is GTA 4. Oh, so. Obviously, the other one's going to be table tennis. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for that, too. It's Bully. Bully 2, specifically. Bully is more likely than uh, than Grand Theft Auto 4. You think? Yeah. That's kind of cool, too, though. I mean, it's not GTA Smaller 4, scope. but it's cool. Could be cool. Uh, all right. Well, that was that was the league this week. Any parting thoughts, Nick? Obviously, I was considering the strategy of just doing it week by week, doing one bid every single week. But I mean, what does that do beside give you all more time to oppose me? As opposed to if I do this right now, <laughs> yeah. do it all in one, then you're scrambling to try and collude, failing at it. And I still come out with everything I pretty much wanted. So yeah, this is a much better approach. So everyone won this week. And now we we truly can sit back and just watch you from afar and hope that you don't play catch up because uh, let's see, Chris, you don't have any slots left. Nope. And I don't have any, I have drops, but I, you have a I dollar. I, I saved $1 just in case a last minute delay for like a dragon or something like that. Yeah. Or honestly, if we get, if there's another big scuttlebutt about, Announcement imminent, release imminent in the vein of RDR, I could like quickly drop Elden Ring and like shuttle that in. If GTA 4 gets announced before Red Dead, you can pivot and laugh in my face. Well, if it gets announced, I can't put it in the unannounced slot. So well, the unannounced, That's I mean, true. you have to compete with uh, Brennan's $2. That's true. Do the same. He needs to keep a drop. He needs to keep a drop for one right. of these games that don't look good i i have to take brennan out to a really nice dinner so i can convince him to keep cosmic wheel on the board uh as my counter pick alternative oh my god just stop it this is this is no <laughs> this is not collusion this is speaking of bully like this is just you making bren your league lackey i refuse brennan uh, yeah don't EJ's do this. personal whipping boy you should have seen me try to convince him that hey you're so far behind in the league wait for nick to spend all of his money and then you can drop me spider-man too uh but he didn't go for that that's <laughs> he, the dumbest no. thing i've ever i would have kicked you from the league if you guys did that honestly it would just be me and chris and you could just watch i would i would uh, agree with that decision 100 percent. even if it fractured this podcast in half we ain't breaking rules we're breaking hearts you're breaking the spirit of the game exactly that would be so in breaking you know what that would be ej would be trading my trust it would be trading damian lillard to the miami heat for tyler hero motherfucker that's what that would be so time for you to take a look in the mirror i'm getting buckets Time for you to take a look in You'd the mirror. You have zero points on the board by the end of the game. I mean, if, that, if that's what you want. Next year, I propose that we do away with super drops, but we enable trades. I agree. We get the side bets going, and then it really becomes a, the, the arithmetic of like, do I want the bottle of whiskey at the cost of, you know, uh, losing the league Hansel to Crusade EJ. collusion cast. Yeah, exactly. No, co- no collusion. Go. No collusion. No collusion. Collusion! Witch hunt. Witch hunt. Um, all right. All right. I just don't want to turn every year into the 2v1 against me because you're so afraid of me. Even Stop being I'm so good then. much better than you. Be if you could just come out and lay a fucking egg, we wouldn't worry about you. EJ, you're already doing so well this year. You don't need to like arm twist Brennan into being your subordinate. Just fucking play the game. We have like the same average fucking points right now per game. Nick is seven points per game ahead of us right now. I know we've got more games released, but like it's not just about the points. It's about averages. He's killing us. Do better. We're trying, Chris. I know. I know we are. Anyway, <laughs> I would agree with trades because then if you wanted Spider-Man 2 and Bren's like, well, I'm going to fucking lose. 
you could be like, okay, I'll hook you up with Sea of Stars. I'll hook you up with the unannounced Red Dead and put a package together for Spider-Man 2 that is fair and also satisfied your your sick need to bend Brennan to your will to beat Nick in a fucking <laughs> fantasy video game league. Oh, this has been great. This is all Nick wanted three years ago when this started. Like, it's just, it's coming to fruition. It's happening. He's had a shit-eating grin on his face the entire fucking segment, <laughs> just like listening to me and you yell at each other about, well, I couldn't have outbid you anyway. Well, I didn't trust you from the beginning. And Nick's just like, <laughs> yeah, the group chat EJ is like, I can't wait to hear Nick yell about this. I'm like, I don't think I've raised my voice really. <laughs> Maybe I just underestimated. Well, clearly I did. I was like, if we come in and snake four or five games from Nick, he's going to be like, what the fuck? Collusion and be mad about it. But clearly you had thought about this uh, eventuality. I assume collusion at all points <laughs> because I know who I'm dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> We're all trying EJ, to you just openly admitted that he would use Brennan like a second slot for him. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan. I love you. Listen, if Brennan was doing better, don't victim blame Brennan. It's just the way the chips fell and that he made some questionable decisions. But hey, at least he's being he's trying to be competitive. He's trying. He took some swings. They didn't hit. Uh, but now he's sitting at, a, at 57 points. We, I went through and did some quick math on Brennan sort of taking the under on my predictions, which he'll break like 120. Uh, yeah, I think he'll be. And that was basically what we got to. I was like, you'll you'll hit about 120, maybe a little more, probably a little bit less. You know, if there's some like if replace hits at an 85, uh, well, he's still not gonna be able to beat Chris. But um, you know, he's putting up points. He's doing better than Chris and I did last year, without a doubt. Yeah, he's doing great. Oh yeah. So I mean, he's doing bad, but he's doing. That good. was your second year. <laughs> exactly. That's that's my point, Brent. If you're listening. You're doing so much better than that we have historically. So I don't know if that's through some sort of osmosis or if it's just because you've been listening to the podcast for years, but like you're kind of coming in behind the curve because we're all sick in the head and we've been doing this for three years. He also only just got unlucky with like two games. You know, if you look at his board, like Suicide Squad, obviously we all had that, you know, draft game get delayed. I mean, that's not wild. I just... I just sniffed it out as far as picking it as it being bad. I mean, it still could be bad, but it's not coming out. And then Destiny 2 took a wild swing on on an expansion he shouldn't have. An unfortunate Atomic Heart looked really good, but it didn't pan out. So what is that? That's two. That's two misses. I'm sitting over here with Blanc at a 68 and Benedict and Forza underperforming, you know, so like it happens. He had bad luck on Benedict Fox, too, which he super dropped. Right. Oh, God. That was a long ass one week update, although it was a very loaded week, uh, but a lot of fun. Let's pivot into some stuff we've been playing. Nick, you said that you've been messing around with Retro Arch or Retro Arc, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> I, too, have been doing that. But what, what have you been doing? Has it been on a handheld or on your PC? On my PC. Uh, I do not have a handheld that I would use it on, I guess. I mean, I guess I could put it on my phone, right? But I don't know if my phone, what would I play on my phone that I would want to play on my phone, you know? DS games? I don't I don't want to play DS games. I don't want to simulate buttons yeah. on, on a mobile phone. Not clicky. Not clicky enough. Get a little Not insert clicky. thing you put your phone into and you have controls and you can touch screen the DS screen. Bro, I know that I like my Android phone ecosystem, but the one downside, like the biggest downside is the large variety of phones. So the, the things that can work with Android phones are not as good as the things that can work with iPhones because there's like a singular design and physical dimension, dimensionality to the iPhone that you cannot get with a Android. Phone. So I don't know if there's really anything that would be 
of a good enough quality that I would actually want to interact with and put it on my phone. I mean, that's just not the life I want to live. I'm going to play a DS game. I'll play it on my DS and a flash cart because I have that. But I also need to replace that's the screens fair. on my DS because the, the color gamut is like all fucked up and weird. I don't know what happened. Anyway, I've just been playing some... Uh, I've got all these freaking ROMs. So I figured I'd check out some of those in RetroArch and play around with the uh, the filters because the CRT filters have gotten so good and it looks really nice to just like throw on an SNES game and get that that blur. You can even put on like the CRT wine, like you can set the frequency so it just completely emulates the full experience. It's ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> They're so tunable with like the different gamma and the bloom and like are you using CRT Royale? Is that your go-to? Uh, what, I was using... I was using CRT consumer. Okay. It lets you churn off and on interlacing and set the, yeah, you got all different kinds of sliders, but yeah, Royale is pretty similar in its, uh, in its look. You set like the masking and like the, I don't know. There's a, a lot of different terminology that I'm sure if I knew CRTs better, I would have a better idea on, but I was just like a B testing a lot of things just to get it looking the way I wanted it to. And the nice thing is you could save it to the entire like you save the setup that you that you just made and then apply it to every single game you're playing regardless of system. So if I want to play a PSP game but make it look like I'm playing on a TV, I can do that. And it's got the nice 16 to my 9 ratio because that was uh, those those were widescreen games and then still get that blurriness because you know it's a it's a what 20, 270p screen. So I was playing some E7 with the CRT blur and it was just looking real nice. Having a good time with that. I really admire your both of your dedication to how your nostalgia looks that I'm sitting here like listening to y'all talk about this going, man, I just have no fucking interest in that when I'm playing older SNES games like I would and have and will again just throw my Super Nintendo onto a high definition television and pretty much won't care as long as there's as long as game modes on. I don't have any input Oof. delay. I don't care. I don't care Oof. because for me, it's about it's about how it feels. And it's just definitely about how it sounds um, like when I reflect back on what it feels like to play Mega Man X at Nana's house. It's not about what it looks like on a CRT. It's about the soundtrack. It's about what I felt like. It's about that but for y'all the 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 visual nostalgia like i respect that i respect that you've gone out and found ways to make it look like how you remember so that you can get that same feeling i think that's really cool that those options are out there yeah and there's there's just such a, a large gap between what a game looks like on an lcd screen versus what a game looks like at a on a crt screen where the bloom and the blur these games were designed visually around that and i'm sure ej's frantically searching up examples like that skeleton man that's always the number one thing that shows up or <laughs> something from uh any of the any of the japanese games that have sort of the anime aesthetic like they utilize the crt's natural effects of bloom and blurring to anti-alias games that would they wouldn't have the the color gamut and like the number of pixels to do otherwise to put in to fill in the gaps and make details where they wouldn't uh have been able to before and I've talked about that before in the past, talking about um, ghosting and how uh, game makers on the Game Boy, especially because there's such a prominent ghosting effect on that LCD screen, would use that to their advantage and create transparency effects where there were none. So you'd have some stuff like uh, Link's Awakening where Chain Chomp's chain is like flickering on and off every other frame. But because of the way the Game Boy screen works, it turns into a translucent effect. And that shit like that is so cool. You have that also with uh, uh, Mega Drive games with stuff like um sonic and like i don't know it's just to play the game as it was originally created is important 
So I like to try to get as close to that scenario as possible because I don't want to be the sicko who is collecting all these games again, necessarily. I like having the, the handheld games because they're small, they're easy to tuck away, but I can't be, I can't be getting SNES games now, especially I'm priced out. Like it's just, a, I'm too late to it. So I would rather just put it on my computer, get close enough. And I also like tweaking with things. And this is, gives me more of options to tweak than me. What, what would my options be if I had a CRT and like, I'm either messing with that CRT or getting multiple CRTs, just trying to find that perfect one. Like I don't, that's very, very beyond what I'm looking for. Oh. I'd rather just move sliders and like get close enough, you know? So that was sort of my philosophy was, yeah, it's mess around with retro Exactly, art. and I don't want to be like EJ. <laughs> well, listen, that's, that's what I've been doing this week is I have my CRT in my office now, hidden away in the closet. But I was like, okay, how can I maximize? Because, you know, to preface... I bought a bunch of EverDrives when I sold my collection. And I was like, all right, any new games I'll play, I play on original hardware on a CRT. Um, and if I love the game, I'll buy a physical copy. But otherwise, this is how I'm going to kind of roll from now on. So I finally got all that set up. I bought some nice S-Video cables for the retro consoles. So, you know, Finally have done away with composite on everything except for the NES, which is great. Um, but I've been going down the rabbit hole of CRTs and like, Repairing a CRT or calibrating a CRT is sort of beyond me at this point. It, it, it's just too much and it's dangerous. Unless and, you want to die. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I have a really nice CRT. It's like one of the more sought after ones. It has S-Video and component inputs. So I bought a couple of switchers, but 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 I have some convergence issues on my TV. So some of the colors are janky and there's like warping depending on how much of a certain color is being displayed. So it's like really unfortunate, but it's it's close enough, you know? And messing with retro arch and and playing some like gamecube like it's fun but like i just couldn't get the controller situation how i wanted it and i was just like ah fuck it like i'm just an og hardware kind of guy and and chris i did put a bunch of examples into the group chat of like the difference between a, a crt and an led screen and it is one of those things we've talked about like why does this game look so much worse than i remember it's because it does because you played it at a time where, like Nick said, they could mask it. Not even like masking things like, oh, the shitty technology obfuscates how bad our art is. It's intentionally creating these assets to look a certain way because of our display technology. I'm looking at it right now and like, yeah, when I look at it like this, like side by side, absolutely, I would 100% agree with you. I don't have the working memory of that. Like, it's just not how I how I remember these. And so if I if I did, though, of course, I would look at that and go like, oh, what the what the fuck is wrong with this? But yeah, it's just 100% of like, where does your nostalgia live um, and Nick, I know you're really auditory with like game soundtracks, but also like clearly the visual component, very, very important to you too. And EJ, of course, like as discussed, you're like a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a purist of sorts, videophile. yeah, it's, it's not even necessarily like, Oh, it's how I remember it. It's like, to me trying to play a super Nintendo game on an HGTV looks bad. Like it, I'm like, this is terrible. It's not even about like, it's not how it's supposed to look. Or it's not how I remember it. It's like, this looks bad, and I don't like to play sure. things that look bad. And I wouldn't say that I'm that far gone. Like, I've played plenty of <laughs> games. I remember I remember I've played... The way I played Earthbound was on an emulator on my old laptop back at the uh, the townhomes, EJ. So, like, 2012, 2013, around there. Right. And that was just full screen on my laptop. No filters or anything. I mean, maybe, like, a scan, like, a very basic scan line. Because the, the power of these computers were so much worse. And... 
the uh, the effort put in put in by the community was not there yet to properly try to deep dive into simulating a CRT. So you would get like very, very basic, very, you know, kind of shitty looking filters. But, you know, this is what we had. And I was fine with that. That's like, okay by me. But just the way that these things have gone and they look so much better. And I'm working with a 1440p screen that's like 28 inches across. So like I've got so much room to play with that 256 by 224 uh, size on a, on an SNES that like you can really get a lot out of each pixel. So it's awesome to be able to flex my too powerful computer to be playing SNES games for sure. But like it's fun to play around with that. So yeah, the options are available. So there's no reason not to. So what have you been playing? You said you're messing around with ease on the PSP. Yes, I was playing Ease 7 for a few hours. I was kind of just hopping around. I need to like my problem most of the time with emulation is that I get frozen with a uh, choice. Yeah. So what I need to do is just like dedicate myself say, "Hey, I'm only going to play this game until I'm like tired of it or I like need to change to something else." I can't just be, you know, popping in and out. I can't just be surfing channels with emulated games because th- I will have no reason to stick with one. Like I have to have uh, the pressure of sticking with one in order to stick with one. But yeah, I, I haven't really decided what else I'd want to play. I'm kind of like, you know, we were just talking earlier that I just finished Zelda. So I'm like between games. I kind of have that gaming hangover from such a large, <laughs> expansive world. Like, what do you play after such a huge game? Like, so Kirby kind of reverted back yes. to like, oh, gee, yeah, play something old. Bite play sized. Kirby, play Ease, like just a simple hack and slash RPG. I was thinking, oh, you know, Live Alive came out last year. It'd be cool to kind of like dip in and play some of those other um, SNES RPGs from NX or from uh, Square that never got shipped over in the West, like uh, Legend of Legend of well, No Bahamut Lagoon and uh, Terra Enigma. I know got like a a UK or one of the, that was one of those ones that came out in not our region but somewhere else. But it's like well loved. So I was thinking about that and like. I don't know. I was playing. I had RetroArch downloaded a while ago because I actually had my computer hooked up to a CRT that's sitting behind me, but I never ended up getting that working the way I wanted it to. It's always it's tough because you have to set the resolution to like I don't know. It's like squashed horizontally, so I'd have to like artificially stretch things vertically so it actually looks right on the four by three screen. So I, I never got that working, but I figured with the filters I can just play it for realsies on my monitors in front of me and not really miss out on too much. Right. I too have kind of been bouncing around uh, ROMs, you know, once I got my TV set up going, um, I started, well, first of all, I started the uh, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance on the GameCube that Brandon let me borrow. Nice. Nice. Uh, Borrow again. I'm only a few chapters in, but my only real takeaway right now is A, I miss a lot of quality of life uh, features in recent games, uh, and B, Holy shit, have English localizations come so far since the early aughts? But other than that, I just, I tested all my systems. You know, I have my NES, I have my SNES, I have my 64, and my PS2. Uh, and so I just kind of been testing everything out. I played a little bit of uh, Plock, as we talked about. You having a great time? <laughs> it is definitely... A platform on the Super Nintendo, <laughs> but one of the games of all time certainly yeah. is. <laughs> you got to beat Plock. Get get you something that has save states so you can beat Plock because you're not going to beat it without save states unless you're a true psychopath like someone from the Forer Clan. Shout out Joey, who speed runs this game. I played like Jurassic Park on the Super Nintendo. Like, there's so many bad games on Super Nintendo. It's it's pretty absurd. But dude, I played Jeopardy across multiple systems. I don't know why. I played it on the NES 
and I kind of got a kick out of, you know, it has you like inputting answers, you know, uh, by hand, one character at a time. But I'm kind of a sucker for Jeopardy. And so I kind of, I'd never played a Jeopardy game. So I was fucking with that. And then I was like, I went all the way up to N64. By the N64, there's like shitty compressed video of Alex Trebek being like, ooh, sorry. <laughs> and nice. uh, computer assisted answers. <laughs> no. You, so you start typing something and you can filter through all the answers it gives you to try and, you know, answer quicker. And Would you say this is your favorite genre of game show? <laughs> genre. <laughs> Rest in peace, that weirdo. Oh, uh, we don't deserve him. When's the last Jeopardy game that came out? There was probably one on Switch. Yeah, I know there's one on Wii. Probably. Uh, but I'm sure that there's one on Switch. Yeah. I played a little bit of Mario Golf 64 last night, which, you know, Mario Golf games have kind of been the same for 20 years, ever since they went away from doing the RPG thing. But... I got a kick out of that. You know, just kind of, like I said, testing everything out, seeing how things work uh, with the EverDrives and um, getting a kick out of the nostalgia a little bit. I played a lot of Simpsons Road Rage the other night. <laughs> uh, dude, I fucking love that game. I People I know, Hit and Run is sort of the go-to Simpsons game, but I just, Road Rage is just goaded for me. It's great. Man, I've been... Sticking well, I've not been sticking to my rotation. Like a week ago, I was sort of no. like, All right, <laughs> I was like, What do I actually want to play? And I think the answer was pretty apparent looking back on the summer of stuff that I went, eh, I'll put that off till next week. And next week just like never came. Um, I'm doing an hour, well, I'm not doing an hour of Spyro, I'm doing like a good chunk of Spyro on Fridays. I'm trying to beat like half a world per session, so like three levels. So, like, I'll get to a new world, I'll do the like overworld 100% and then I'll jump into two levels 100% those levels like that's a Spyro Friday uh, I just finished up um, the swamp uh, in Spyro 1 I think it was Beastmakers and now I'm moving to Dreamweavers uh, Beastmakers including like just one of the most bullshit levels of classic PS1 platforming jank where it's like this is like beautifully designed if you're like a goddamn super genius and you can just figure this out by yourself. Uh, like in uh, the treetops level, you have to do this like triple uh, supercharge ramp jump in two different configurations, including like landing and going backwards up one of the ramps in order to like get to these two specific areas. I'm like, there's I would literally have never figured this out without YouTube. So I'm glad I'm coming to this as an adult and not a kid because there's no fucking way I would have figured that out. Uh, and that's kind of been, by and large, my experience. Like once, at least once per world, I hit a level where I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking get what you want me to do here. Like I don't, I don't know what you want me to do here. And I'm assuming it's a little better in Spyro too, because that's what's on our top 100, and I'm looking forward to getting there. Uh, in the same way that like Crash Two was like a big jump over Crash One, I'm hoping for that. But I'm kind of like, man, this is a little irksome. How often I have to look something up. EJ, as a Spyro connoisseur, and coming from me, a person who owns the trilogy, should I just skip one and not do the Chris thing? Just go to two? And do I even play three? Two is a definitively better experience than the first one. I'm also coming at this from someone who was platinuming these games, so the trophy list. As am I. You're 100%ing them. You're not platinuming them. Oh, get the... Shut the fuck up. Like, it's... 100% is probably worse than platinum for these games, right? Well, you have to 100% to get the platinum as well, but the trophy list for all three of these games introduces a number of additional, like, 
certain time trials on all of the aerial levels, which oh, are no, fuck infuriating. That. Nope. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. The trophy list on the first game is a nightmare. The second game less so, and then the third game, the trophy list is simple. But the second game uh, is my favorite. But Spyro Two, I can't remember a single thing about that game that that got me, you know, beating my head into a wall. Like maybe maybe only one thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, that drove me crazy and uh, that I had to look up in one of the hub worlds. But whatever, right? The third game was like super easy. They introduced a lot of like different playable characters. There are like shmup levels where you're playing as Sparks. Those were annoying from a trophy standpoint, but like I would say you could probably skip one. Like there's no deep spiral lore that you're missing out on, Nick. It's like eating a fucking cheeseburger. Like if you've eaten a cheeseburger, you've eaten a fucking cheeseburger. Like you don't need to eat three of them, you know? Right. Unless you're truly a sicko. I'm having a good time, and this is all like a hundred percent brain. So Nick, if you just want to like beat Spyro one, you're not going to, you're not going to run into any of these things. If you're not hundred percent in this game, there's no point in my eyes at playing them. I, th- I look at the, the three games and I see, okay, this is a series that I have very minimal nostalgia for. So it is more me just coming at it from a historical context of like, okay, this is kind of like Banjo Kazooie, but not as good, but more weird and like trying some different things, like more of a, you sure you know, about that? It's a different sort of approach to it. More levels, you know, less interesting, less polished. But yeah, <sighs> I know. I agree. I agree. I have I have small gripes about the the way the game feels too, especially coming from Crash. Because I think I did. I talk about this on the podcast that like the the PlayStation One platformer timeline diverged, and there's like Crash people and Spyro people. And I feel really firmly that even if people played both games, they land in one camp. Like, I'm a Crash person. I never played Spyro games. So, like, Crash is precise. I know exactly what it is going to do at any given time based on the buttons I press, period. It is tight. Um, Spyro 1, there's still moments where I'm like, and that is not what I thought that was going to do. It's a little floaty. It's less, the jumps are very floaty. It's not precise. Um, I feel that I- I'm some of the, the ways that the, the camera will work, especially when you're like executing a glide, that it will jerk the camera, which therefore changes the direction that you're flying based on the stick input. I've missed a lot of jumps that way. And that's just jank camera uh, where it like is trying to control like, OK, now you're looking this way in a way that like, oh, I didn't need to do that because I know I'm going over there. But because I hit the jump like this, you jerk the camera and now my my right input to try to head for the platform is sending me way off the direction of the platform and I'm going to lose a life. But these are minor. These are minor complaints to an otherwise like enjoyable experience. Like I'm still playing it for a reason in ways that like I'm not playing most of the other stuff in my rotation now. Sure. I just I just wonder if I would even be able to get through one and then look down the barrel of two and three and just say, no, that's enough. Or would I rather just play two and have a better experience and then not worry about playing one or three? Yeah, do that. Because I'll be burnt out by that. Two is an improvement in every way. It's got a better soundtrack. Um, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure the new controls probably applied to all three games, but maybe not. Like things like, Chris, in Spyro 1, I can't remember. If you hit triangle, do you get the little boost at the end of your glide? No. I guess that would make sense that that wouldn't be implemented even in the remake because that would sort of break some of the level design. Um, but in the Aspire 2, yeah, when you glide, you hit triangle at the end and it gives you a little hop so you can get up to ledges and stuff. Oh my. Which is a nice quality God, of life. That update. would be so nice. <laughs> 
So in that sense, Spyro 2 is definitely an improvement. Um, yeah, Nick, I would just skip the first one. Yeah, don't do it. Maybe I'll hop into that just because something light like an exploration platformer is a good palate cleanser frequently. Yes. Like I can't, I can't go around playing them all the time, but like between games, that sounds like a yes. damn good time. It so I, I platinumed Spiral 1 like years ago, like 2018 or 19. 2018, I think. And then I didn't play it for a while. And then um, was it early this year? Time flies. I think it was early this year. I did two and three back to back. And they were like 10 hour, maybe 12 hour platinums, like all in. So they were really pretty breezy experiences. I don't know if you'd be looking to 100% it. In my eyes, you don't play a game like that without 100%. Like that's the point of playing it. Yeah, it's to collect um, the things. Yeah, exactly. And I want to collect all of them. And they're some of the easiest games to do it in. Why I liked platinuming them is because the trophy lists added a really nice layer of like true challenge. Like they're not overwhelmingly difficult by any means. There are much harder platinums out there, but it actually forced me to like some of the time trial things and like beating bosses with certain restrictions and stuff. So there was a layer of challenge that I really enjoyed. But if you're just collecting all the things in game, it's it's super breezy and they're fun. And this dude, the soundtrack. I mean, that and Crash had that sort of childlike bippity boppity uh, kind of sound like that Grant Kirkhope would do, you know, sort of the uh, I can't remember the composer's name that did all the Tim Burton movies, but oh, Danny very much that for video games. Yes. Yeah, it's the Danny Elfman of video games. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just boingo boingo going all over the place. Simpsons vibe, you know, it's just that it's kinetic. It's fun. You know, it's loose. It's joyful. Yeah. Oh, that's great. There's a lot of generic video game music out there. Spyro has so many distinct moments where you're like, it's just a bug in your brain, but it's super percussive, which I like. It's not just like, okay, here's the same like 12 like sound samples. This is a band playing this whole thing and you're hearing the fucking drums and it's bombastic and big and goofy and fun. And yeah, that's probably the first, unless you count like the fucking, I don't know, Donkey Kong game over music. Like Spyro might be the first soundtrack that really i can remember loving i mean the super mario world soundtrack is you know and you sicko you you playing only playing pokemon on mute well i didn't only play it on mute but like i said in i the know group but chat. you don't have the nostalgia for the music like oh, i play a song so and you're good. like it takes me exactly to a screen in that game and you just like yeah that sounds like pokemon so that's that's all the first game i have more nostalgia for but by gen 2 yeah it was mostly well a, it was a product of like mostly playing that game when I wasn't supposed to, like you're playing it in bed or you're playing it like <laughs> yeah, with the word you got light. grounded. Now I understand why I just, I'm sad for you. That's yeah. yeah. But a lot of it is also like, all right, I have played a thousand hours of this game. I can only take so much dude. I was just thinking that actually when I was playing fire emblem, like the music is so good in fire emblem and it has such a, a character that is distinct to fire emblem music. And I was really enjoying it in Path of Radiance, but it plays the exact same 14 second ditty every battle and you can't skip the cutscenes in the older games. It's so like every time you go into a battle, it's the exact fucking like super intense little ditty. And I'm just like, all right, I'm fucking over this three hours in. I'm over it. I cannot do 30 more hours of the same fucking battle theme every goddamn time I kill a goon. Like you get sick of it after a while. Yeah, it's true. You know? the, the combat music in... A lot of Japanese made games like it's great in small doses. And then, yeah, by disc three of Final Fantasy seven, you're like, all right, still more, still more fighting. Like, I, I think I'm good. Um, So I'm doing I'm doing Spyro. I'm doing I let Hades go and not today, but 
next week maybe I want to do like a proper a proper how much I love that game uh section but I let that go uh and I've been dude still doing the Mega Man X series playthrough and uh today it's time to start X6 um we will see we could maybe talk about X5 a little bit cuz Nick I know you did a quick replay uh zero track Yeah and- not 100% I did 7 of the 8 bosses and the 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 levels and stuff and I was playing on like I said playing on rookie hunter mode so like the damage scaling is just completely wacky like I can survive everything and I kill bosses in 5 hits yeah, it's so it's playing like, for story yeah it's not really playing the game it's hardly even playing for story because there's barely a story to begin with but it's more just like just sort of seeing the level layout seeing how it c- compares to prior entries and getting a, a sense of that it seems like the the my main takeaway from this game is like wow x4 did not sell well because they cheaped out hard on x5 there's like not nearly the the level of attention to detail in this game the uh in between areas where there was like fmv like anime cutscenes in x4 there's nothing like that in this there's you know the generic badly written dialogue sigma literally written he, out he he he, he the worst and yeah, it just it just feels a lot cheaper and it still somehow even feels cheaper than like X1 where X1 had so much variety and depth in character where when you beat a level, it would affect another stage. So you would play Spark Mandrel and suddenly the lights are out. Yeah, but you don't get that in any of the other games. And that's like truly the, the worst thing about every other X game besides one. Uh, no, I agree. I think that there's some some areas that it suffers and some areas that I'm like, oh, this is a really meaningful uh push forward for the series like i know we laugh about like the plot in the x games is so thin but this really is like a worthy culmination of everything they were do they were doing for four games um of like the confirmation that zero is to x as dr light uh that dr wiley is to dr light we explicitly get like the wiley logo in the final stages we get like Sigma alluding to the fact that he's working with Wiley's AI in the same way that Dr. Light's AI has been helping X this whole time. You get to fight like a version of like the classic Mega Man enemy, like the Black De- the Black Devil, which is such a fucking hard boss fight. Um, all that stuff is great. Like, um, you get a branched timeline at the end of this game, depending on whether or not Zero survives. That in in the timeline where Zero doesn't survive. X's memory gets altered and he refers to he has no memory of zero and refers to wanting to found uh, Elysium, which is, I believe, exactly what he ends up doing in the Mega Man Zero series. So that's the way that that goes. And if zero lives, you branch in the direction of like the future X games. Um. Anyway, it's very uh, all that stuff is great. The soundtrack is amazing. It's a great fucking soundtrack. Like there's so many good, uh, good tracks in this. Um, like the, this is the second best boss theme behind Mega Man X one for me. And it might honestly be just as good. It's so good. Like they really took advantage of what they could do on the PlayStation one for this got way more electronic, like fucking Izzy Glow's stage is just so vibey and like rocking and goddamn, like lots of good tracks. Uh, you get to like X and zero getting to square off against each other. Finally, even though it's for like, again, in the X track, it's for pretty thin reasons. In the zero track, it makes perfect sense because X is like, you are absorbing the virus and it's making you stronger. This is really concerning. We need to take you back for examination. And zero's like, mm, I don't do that. You don't tell me what to do. And they fight each other. Um, 
the introduction also like this this game completely changes the way that backtracking works partially because of the majora's mask like you have 16 hours until the colony hits thing um you have to clear stages and then go back and because this is the first game that introduces multiple armors um you have to visit stages a number of different times and do that metroid thing of taking stock of okay i see there's a capsule over there it's behind a little wall. There's a low path underneath it, and there's some kind of device over there. Okay, and then when you beat um, uh, Duff McWhalen and you come back and you have the goo shaver, and you're like, oh, this travels along paths. I can get in there now and get the armor piece and going like, oh, how do I do those blocks? Oh, I have the Gaia armor now. I can move those blocks. Oh, I have the Falcon armor. I can fly up there. Um, uh... Is that right? Yeah. Falcon armor. Yeah. Uh, I can fly up there. That's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's just sweet. Uh, a lot of that stuff is really cool. You have to go back multiple times once your time limits off. It also like, man, the RNG bullshit in this game is just so intense. Like you can get all the colony parts or get all the parts to the laser and fire the laser and it could still fucking fail. Um, and you literally can't re-roll it. It's like re-rolling like every couple of seconds, every single time you're in any level. So when you finish the last level to get the last part, you are locked in on whether or not it's succeeding. Uh, then you go do it again, getting the parts for the, sh uh, for the, uh, shuttle to go crash the shuttle into the colony and you're still locked in and you could just literally get the bad ending because zero dies, uh, in orbit and have no fucking control over it. And I'm like, this sucks. Like that part of this game is ass. And I was really fortunate in my X playthrough that the cannon was successful. And in my zero playthrough that the shuttle was successful. Cause I was like, if I do a zero playthrough and he fucking dies in the shuttle, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. And because you can switch between the characters in each level, again, another awesome improvement. You can collect all of X's armor parts as zero because you can choose X or zero for any level that you want. You also get to start with X's um, armor, his ultimate armor from Mega Man X4, because it continues directly after the events of that game. And it makes perfect fucking sense. He would still have that armor. Um, if you go in with the first level as X, Zero loses the Z Buster, which is no big loss, Nick. Like you said, if you go in with Zero, X's ultimate armor gets destroyed from X4, and then you have to just be base form X for the rest of the game. Um yeah, you get the black zero armor for the first time in this game without using cheats, which is just sick, like changes the saber color to purple. X's ultimate armor in this game is so broken, like the Nova strike, you literally just turn into like a speeding death machine flying across the screen and it's completely invulnerable. So you can just cheese like every fucking boss for the whole rest of the game, like all the Maverick refights, like there's a lot that it does really well in spite of the fact that it's definitely not like a top shelf X title. I was pleasantly surprised with uh, what it was contra uh, compared to my memories of it. So you did you play this with the uh, legacy collection? I did. And I'm not fucking very I'm not pleased at the fact that they uh, retranslated all the names. That was one of my yeah, favorite I was just gonna parts. Say, like I. It's fucking Duffick Whalen. Yeah, I'm using just regular the, old title whale now. I hate it. And I I love this is like the Guns N' Roses X game where like the localizers were like, so how stupid. fucking sick would it be if we change all of the robot masters names were like plays on different members of Guns N' Roses or different songs that Guns N' Roses. It did. literally wasn't even one of the translate. One of the translators girlfriend was like a fan of Guns N' Roses. So to impress her, he like named them after all the 
the stupid names. That is like, even all fucking is. better. That is amazing <laughs> that you could just do that in the 2000s and no one would say anything. So I loaded up and they're like, yeah, here's uh here's uh you know title whale and he's got hydrogen i'm like what no no that's duff mcwhalen that's duff mcwhalen no damn it they still keep the name of his shot goo shaver <laughs> oh my is he glow ah oh, slash beast no that's from x4 yeah crescent grizzly crescent Gri- no no grizzly slash grizzly I mean, slash Axel Rose Red. God damn it. This was so good. Matt T-Rex is the worst. And Axel the Red, there's a character in later games named Axel. So it's good that they changed that. I I love it. I was sad. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Dude, this is like getting like an accurate translation in sub versus the dub. Like, why would you be mad that the game is being adequately brought to the West for the first time accurately? Brought to the because West. Nostalgia. Exactly. Yeah. I want it to be like how it was because in the X collection on GameCube, uh, it kept it kept those names. As far as I remember, it kept those names. I think this is the first oh, time sure, yeah. it's been it's been changed uh, in a West release. Retconned. Yeah. So that's sad. That was really sad. I was like, this is this is wrong. I also like I know that some of the dialogue sucks, but some of the dialogue also doesn't suck because the whole conceit is that Sigma big brains them into unintentionally releasing the Sigma virus all over the earth. And so like every Reploid basically is like suffering and is going to become a Maverick. And there's some really interesting dialogue with some of these folks where they're like, I literally don't have a choice. I'm so sorry. Like, you're just going to have to kill me. Like, I know we were colleagues, but like, you're gonna have to kill me or like going to fight. Um, Oh, the, the Pegasus spiral Pegasus with zero. And he's like, I need to know what happened between you and the Colonel. Like, tell me the truth. And it's like, whoa, that's really cool. Like, that's a reference to X4 or going to fight uh, Volt Kraken. And uh, X is literally like, I'm so sorry about Launch Octopus that like he was homies with Launch Octopus and he quit being a Maverick Hunter because Launch Octopus went Maverick and he died. I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool. Like, they even sample a lot of the like tracks from Mega Man X in different places, like the intro uh, cinematic for X5 using the um, uh, Mega Man X epilogue theme uh, to introduce it. I'm like, oh man, it gives me chills every time. Nick, you jumped into this game like, how did you put it? As a content tourist? Yeah. This game wasn't for you. No, it doesn't add anything that isn't done better in X1 and X4. And for me, it was more just like, what other ideas can they have in this format? And the answer was not many. Um, a lot of the like auto scroll kind of levels or the uh, gimmick levels, I feel like are done and better dead better in two and four in particular. I'm thinking of, I think it was Volt Kraken stage that started with the speeder bike. And if you don't get all the little energy orbs and you don't open the door, that is like the optional thing. And like, yeah, it's that's the upgrade. just tedious. The title whale star of the stage where you're just being auto scrolled behind like you're underwater for one. And also you have this thing that's following you for the entire level until you get to like the boss area. And that kind of sucks. Stuff like that. Like it doesn't really do anything for me. And the the ability differences of like having the air dash from the beginning and like the double jump and like stuff like that just doesn't. It just wasn't tickling me. Uh, the music's nice. The boss designs are cool, but it just feels like a, a cheap B side to X4. In a lot of ways, this game felt like a Mega Man joint. Like this game is really fucking hard in the way that 
I think of like Mega Man 2 is hard. And they even aped, um, oh, Crash Man. What's the name of the stage? The laser stage, the infamous laser stage in Mega Man 2. Uh, they aped it for the first uh, Zero Virus like final stage uh, in this game. And that's just emblematic. I think of like their whole approach to this one is that they are going to make it tough as nails. Some of it you're either going to need to like have the correct powers or be frame perfect like the stupid fucking yeah, Volt Kraken air bike one where it's like you have to be perfect in all of your jumps. And it's not that the game is like janking. It's that I'm not playing it well enough. And that's not necessarily the most enjoyable feeling. But I respect it that they were like, we are going to make this tough as nails because of the fact that we are now explicitly threading the connection to the Mega Man universe to zero specifically and uniting these timelines in a way we hadn't before. Um, I respect the choice uh, and that does earn it a few points in my esteem of like really thematically making that make sense in terms of the difficulty. Dude, I just saw some discourse online about what a modern Mega Man game should be or could be. And, you know, because I'm kind of, you know, I've, I've only played a few of the Mega Man X games in like the, maybe the first Me or second Mega Man game. They're just not for me. Like the, the, the original series is like, I, I don't like games where it's all right. Memorize the pattern down to a T until you're good enough to like do it all consecutively. Like that's not really my jam. Mega Man X is a lot more like read and react a way an action game should be. So going forward, though, people are clamoring. You know, why why can't we get a good Mega Man game? The last few X games were pretty rough. Mighty Number no. Nine was bad for a lot of reasons, but there's just not a lot left to do. We had kind of postulated about what like a modern Metroid could be, and I thought like doing a, a like a, a a roguelike bullet hell like Returnal, but with a Metroid skin, could be really fucking cool. But I saw someone bring up the idea that like. Mega Man would be perfect for something like that. Totally. Dude, I am so in on that. Returnal is a cool fucking game. And you know how I am with my roguelikes. Like, I haven't played one I haven't liked. It's punishing. So in that sense, it's, like, not really for me. But, like, the idea is there. And I could totally see that being a more accessible... Uh, I think it was Andy Cortez, maybe, who tweeted it. But he's like, give me that, but something fun and bright and exciting instead of the, like, typical modern like doom and gloom that is most hard video games these days yeah give it that 90s vibe with the big boots you know like it oh, doesn't look yeah. right you know i'd be so into that that'd be so cool this exists already though and it's called 30xx and i know that it's not like a proper a proper Mega Man game but it is a roguelike that is literally Mega Man x 2d but not 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 the what ej is talking about like he wants returnal like in 3d like a 3d uh bullet hell shooter Whereas 30XX is more like a Mega Man X game, but roguelite, you know? Yeah, I just don't, I just don't ever see like them going 3D again. Maybe give us like a proper Mega Man Legends 3. Like that'd be fucking Yo, sick. That, those games are tight. so cool, man. Talk about a game diary. Or another battle network. Or another battle network. Yeah, do, I mean, God, like give us another, give us Command Mission 2. Like, God, I loved that game. Mega Man X Command Mission. That game fucks. Also, I don't know if it really does, but boy, Kid Me loved it. Or uh, what, ZX3, ZX2? Give Inti Creates another go at the, the Zero series. Yeah, they, they're on, I think it would be number three. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just hard. Like, where's the, 
where's the niche for this type of game? Um, and to justify the budget, I mean, yeah, Capcom, they love, they're doing a lot of these remakes, but there's less, I don't know, there's a lower ceiling for a 2D remake compared to the 3D remakes that they've been doing with Resident Evil. And like they are making big money with Resident Evil, Street Fighter, and Monster Hunter. But where does Mega Man fit into that? And the answer is they don't know because clearly if they knew they would have done something by now. They're just doing legacy collections, which is nice. Well, how did uh, available still? How did uh, Mega Man 11 sell? Mega Man 11 sold. Okay. I'm going to look it up. But that was like a, a little while ago, you know, right? I was, was that 2018? It, yeah. I mean, it's been a bit. Oh boy. Um, Let's see. As of. I think it met expectations, but it obviously didn't blow anyone One, out of the water. 1.7 so. million copies worldwide as of June 2023. Yikes. That sounds that sounds okay for Mega Man. Like Mega Man has never been the big seller. Oh, it is the it is the best selling entry. There you go. Wow. wow. The Metroid fan in me kind of got some warm fuzzies that something as like well reputed as Mega Man is like trawling for 1.7 units after like a five year sales lifespan. Um right. anyway. Uh, yeah. Modern Mega Man. Would love to see it come back. And I would love it. I would love it if they went either of the obvious ways. Like if they did a Mega Man X in the style of Returnal, I think that would be awesome. And if they did like a straight up Mega Man in the style of Ratchet and Clank, I think that would be wicked. Interesting. Does Capcom want to do that? Did they want to put that level of budget into something that they have only seen the returns of like 1.7 million? Like that that sounds pretty expensive for a not surefire thing, but it is like one of their... One of their icons, you know, like they they could elevate it higher. They could make it a big deal. They saw that success. The Monster Hunter, like World is their best selling game from a series that was only big in Japan. And now they have worldwide success with it. So, I mean, it's possible, but something that I want to touch on before we jump to the Nintendo Switch TSA leaks, <laughs> which I know, Chris, you're going to want to dive into here. But I had kind of an interesting experience this week, all week, really. You know how I've been sort of flipping video game things and garage selling and yada, 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 right? So I've spent a lot of time offloading to local game stores the things that I just can't really sell, you know, sort of PS2 chaff and Xbox 360, odds and ends, right? Things that they'll take, uh, but that don't make sense to try and eBay, you know? And God forbid, I'm not going to open a fucking... uh, Amazon store or something, right? I'm not going to go too crazy. This is just sort of a a side hustle as I get back into, I say this with air quotes, back into collecting, right? Get the spray bottle. (laughs) Yeah, dude. It's not so much that I'm getting back into collecting, like the compulsive, like buying things because somebody else told me they're good or buying things that might be fun one day. Like I'm very much like sticking to what I know but like, for example, I got out all my games out of storage and I cleaned everything up really well, cleaned all the cards, cleaned all the, the cases because because I got my my retro setup going in the closet again, like I said earlier. Right. So I just wanted everything to be clean. I went through and bought some manuals for like GameCube games. that didn't have manuals, et cetera. Just like kind of getting things up to standards, whatever. So I've been spending some time flipping and trying to buy certain things, a lot of upgrades mostly to games I already own. Uh, but, but because of that, I've been spending time in game stores for the first time in a while. And there's one store down here in particular where I bought Zelda. By the way, I did check for Zelda controllers when I went in there this week. They were 
predictably gone. Uh, um, if I'd known you guys were looking, dude, last time I was in there, dude, they had literally a fucking wall of them. How many of those were pre-orders? I don't know, but... I bought a standard pro anyway. The ship sailed. I got impatient, but I appreciate you. So anyway, I took a bunch of stuff in there, ended up with like $200 in, in store credit. They were really helpful. Like They were really clear about like what we take, what we don't take. They offer a really fair cash price, which is pretty rare. But they're very much like by the book business, right? Like here's what we offer, the percentages. Here's what we're looking for. Here's what we buy. Like they had a decent selection um, of of the sort of rare stuff in the glass cases, and and so my goal was to kind of like, well, they don't have anything I want. I'll like I'll like buy something to basically just flip and just make a couple hundred bucks. You know, just use up all that Xbox 360 trade. You know, because there's not it really the only things on my list right now, guys, are really expensive things. I want Gotcha Force and I want Fire Emblem. Like, you know, because I have most of the things that I've played, right? So now it's just a matter of experimenting and exploring new titles and adding those to the collection outside of the Console Crusade Top 100, which I do want to actively collect all those games, even the ones I haven't played. But there's not a lot on my list. So I said, okay, well, I'll see. I'll keep the trade and, and come back. And I went back a few more times, couldn't find anything. There's a new game store in Eugene that I stumbled across. They've only been around for like six months. They are um, tucked away in a pretty bad location uh, in a good part of town. They're they're trying to like do things right, but they they've been really struggling. I guess I went in and I talked to the kid who's like running the place, and I traded him a few things, and we got to chatting, and he seemed really cool. He worked out a really good deal with me on a couple of Pokemon games that I bought for my brother that he was looking for, like wiggle room on, on prices and some of the prices were spot on and then he worked with me some of the prices are way over the over the top and that is just that is what it is right that's retail for you but I got a really good deal on a Pokemon Emerald and a Pokemon White I think is what he oh, nice. my brother wanted and he worked with me and I traded him a couple things and it was a really cool experience I went back traded in a few more things I bought a copy of Bubble Bobble on the NES Nice. It is one of those games that I had never played, but um, Nick, actually, when we went to the Retro Gaming Expo, I remember talking to my uncle, my, my late uncle, who was like, not much of a gamer at all. Like, he played Tiger Woods and Pinball. When I told him I was going to the Retro Gaming Expo, he's like, you have to get Bubble Bobble. It's the best fucking game on the NES. Oh, and so great. It's an arcade port, yeah. Right. I had never played it. So I picked a really clean copy of that and played that this week. Not what I expected. Like I was expecting like a, I don't know, probably some like version of Tetris or like. Oh, that's Puzzle Bobble, dude. What do I know? You know nothing. So anyway, I picked that up. And and again, same guy working. We had a good conversation about like our collections and sort of what we're into these days. And he had a similar story of like, hey, you know, I'm not really collecting the way I used to be. It's not like compulsive anymore. It's about curating and. And having something that, you know, means something and you have all these memories with. Collecting has evolved for us. It was a good conversation. On my way out, I see a copy of Pokemon uh, Sapphire, which I have, but mine is labelless. And I said, hey, if I came in and tried to trade up to this copy of Sapphire, how much would you charge me? And he's like, he's like, ah, 10 bucks. He's like, we move whether they have labels or not. If it's an authentic copy, like it's not going to cost me anything. So he's like, 10 bucks. Fucking cool. I'll be back tomorrow. So I went back in. Yesterday, guys, and I say all this to preface this story and my frustration. I go in, I have a PS2 and a bunch of games that I'm not going to be able to move comfortably. It's just a bunch of crap, right? Fucking take it in. If he gives me 30 bucks, I'll be happy, right? 
So I go in, he looks at, he's like, ah, honestly, man, I can't really take this. And I was like, yeah, no worries. I get it. Like PS2 is not a hot commodity and it's a lot of chaff, right? So then I said, all right, well, here's my copy of Sapphire. Let's just, let's just do the swap or whatever. And he was like, yeah, honestly, man, like I, I, I kind of gave you the wrong number yesterday. And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, I can offer you like 40 bucks for it. Maybe if you were going to buy the other one. Meanwhile, that's that game's marked at $85, right? No, like I'm not going to pay $45 to to upgrade my my labelless copy of Pokemon Sapphire, right? He's like, "Well, if you throw in all the PlayStation stuff, it was a console, two controllers, like 20 games." He's like, "And Sapphire will just straight across trade." Uh, no, I'm good. So I go in and I listen, I understand it's a business, guys. I get it. They have to make their money. But the idea that like he was trying to fucking squeeze me like we had talked, we had essentially made a deal. I said, I'll be back tomorrow for the third time this week. Right. And it was all good. And I came in and now he's trying to squeeze me so we can save a few bucks on this PS2 lot that he said he didn't want. Right. And now he's like, well, if we just trade everything, if I could just completely bend you over backwards and fuck you, then we can make the deal. I clammed up and said, nope, I'm good. I packed up. I left. He apologized and I just ignored him and walked out. And I was so fucking bothered by this. Listen, these fucking game stores, it is so hard to operate in this space these days. And game stores come and go like new restaurants. Like every two years, shit is opening up. Something is closing down. All you hear about is how bad things are. It's so hard to get inventory. People aren't buying the X, Y, and Z anymore. It's all moving on to, to eBay and all this stuff. And so in a hobby, in an industry where... If you're into specifically retro stuff, the entire industry is basically hinged on like-minded collectors and these relationships that you form with people, right? To go into this store and presumably, I'm, I, mean, I think I'm making one of these relationships, right? Where like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like, you're going to get repeat business from me, right? And for him to like be totally scummy, go back on his word and then try to squeeze me to, to get a cheaper bundle on this fucking lot of PS2 games. You know, like we saw the opportunity and was like, okay, I can fuck this guy. And I was like, bro, you lost a customer for life. Like that's straight up. I'll never go back to that game store. I will never recommend that game store, especially given some of the other shops in town. Like that first place I mentioned video game headquarters, much more by the book. They're fair. Here's how things work. And that's all good, right? I just, it was a frustrating thing that I experienced this week. And, you know, I know that retro video games are popping off right now, but it is so fucking hard to keep a brick and mortar alive for really anything, but especially video games because of how the market has gone. Like it is just, it is so hard. And you would think uh, you would not be trying to squeeze customers who are giving you repeat business. Yeah, for sure. It's not how you build relationships. It's not how you do business. You will be out of business within six months if this is how you treat everybody. Like, Good luck running your business just like ripping off tweakers, right? Who robbed their neighbor. Like if that's how you're going to operate, like good luck. Like you're not going to be around very long. You know what I did pick up at the other shop though, was I used all my trade in and I bought a minty uh, Game Boy player with the disc, with the case and manual, which is all I wanted. And they're like, well, I can't just sell you the case and manual. And I was like, that's okay. I'll just take the whole thing and keep the case and manual and sell everything else. And that'll be fine. Yeah, I've got mine's complete in box. You got the box? Yeah, I got everything. You kept the box? Oh, sorry. Case. Whatever. Case. No, I don't have the box. Case, manual. It, it is as yours is. It's. I've got oh, the okay, case. Okay, I've got okay. the disc. I've got the manual. I have the player. 
yeah, I just wanted that case and manual because I've got the player and the disc, but I have a some flimsy little third party case for the disc because that's just how I found it whenever I I picked it up. So anyway, EJ, we may have to. And I can't, I just want to preface this by saying I cannot guarantee you that I will sell you a single thing in any of the boxes. But like the next time I'm in Portland, if you come up and you come to Nana's and you help me get all these fucking boxes out of storage, like we can go through my collection and I can show you what I have in my collection. And yeah. if there's something that you're like, I, I need to have this and I'm like, I could part with this, like we could maybe, we could maybe make a deal. Um, I've got some weird stuff. I've got some really weird stuff in there um, that you may you may care about or you may not. I don't know. Um, it may yeah, give down. you hives how it's all stored, but. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt that I will have a fucking meltdown. And I'm like, Chris, do you realize how much value is sitting in this rat poop in this fucking attic? No, it's <laughs> like, all it's not in it's all in in sealed tubs. It is not in fucking cardboard boxes, my friend. Okay. Like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm down. And at the very least, we'll be able to like bust out some retro consoles and get down. So I don't even know everything I have at this point. It's been four years since I boxed it up. Well, it'll be a surprise for both of us, then, won't it? Thankfully, Oregon's not a very humid uh, place, and it's in it's in Nana's attic, which is like pretty solidly like temperature controlled. So right. I don't have any She'll concerns about mildew. I don't have any concerns about like moisture. Like I know it's I know it's fine, dude. I've thought about this. I would love again. It's 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 damn near impossible. I would love to run and operate a, a retro video game store and just have a small little boutique shop and just hang out and talk games and. That'd be so much fun. It'd be an incredible amount of work. And a lot of collectors think that way. And a lot of collectors open stores and, you know, surprise, it ends up being a commitment way larger than they had anticipated. But man, it'd be a lot of fun, you know, just have, have a local shop. Sounds like a retirement project. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something to throw away money on console crusade, dude. I literally thought about that. If I, it's some pie in the sky world where I open a game store, Console Crusade is the fucking name, bro. Yeah. Let's build a brand, boys. Anyway, thanks for letting me rant about that. That was my experience this week. And uh, it was just just disheartening, you know, especially when I got out of collecting the community, like, and I'm sure the community is still great in its pockets. But like, when I got out of collecting, let's see. I mean, I sold my collection in 2020, but I really, I would say my collecting peaked in 2015 and then it was a pretty precipitous taper from there, Nick, after we were at the expo. I I slowed down pretty good after that. Prices were going crazy, but like video games as a commodity and as an investment, like it wasn't quite there yet. So you still had this sort of, this underground community of like collectors collecting for the love of it. And now, as I talked about a few weeks ago, it's been infiltrated by resellers and it has just sort of mucked up the market. And so, yeah, you go into some of these places and it's it's like, oh, I started this store because I thought I could make a, a quick buck, basically, you know, kind of a bummer place for things to be in this day and age. And again, as I talked about a few weeks ago, like you can't really collect video games without also being a reseller now. And so it's just become this sort of kind of ugly approximation of what a really cool hobby used to be. Anyway. Last thing on our list today here, fellas. Chris, you were telling us about a Switch successor console leak that involves some TSA fuckery. Sort of break this down for us, and then Nick, you can kind of chime in with what you know, and then we can 
just sort of postulate about what this next console may or may not be. So I think that this was, uh, I think this is on a subreddit that this guy initially posted and he sort of prefaced the post by saying like, I wasn't really sure where to put this, but I figured like this would be as good a place as any to put it. Uh, the guy like purported to be a TSA agent. He said he was doing a bag check and uh, had to screen uh, an electronic device that had alarmed the machine for uh, alarmed the x-ray for some reason. Uh, and it was in like a metal like pelican case and the uh the guy asked for a private screening so they took him to the private screening room um he opened up the case he said it looked like about like four times bigger than a modem this like body and then there was a controller that had like pretty standard looking face buttons as well as and this was the part of the leak that people have grabbed onto uh scroll wheels uh where the like bumpers would be uh on the left and right um he conducted screening on it and it alarmed uh, the machine and screening. I have to be like really vague because if I use like specific terms, I guess technically speaking, that could be like not good for me as a former TSA agent. Um, so anyway, it alarmed. Don't do that. <laughs> this is his story. This is his story. It alarmed the machine and testing, which meant that he had to do a bag check and the guy had to get a pat down. And in screening through the guy's bag, there were business cards um, that indicated he was with Nintendo Research and Development. So the guy's like pretty sure that what he was looking at well, the internet's pretty sure that what he was looking at is a dev kit for the Switch successor. Um, the guy later posted uh, his badge as proof of employment with the numbers covered up, obviously. Nick, I know you said, like, oh, man, this looks fake as fuck. It is 100% a TSA badge. That is what they look like. Like, that is exactly what they look like. I believe this story 100%, and I will tell you why. Number one, the way that he described the screening processes for all of this is exactly what the standard operating procedure for this is like down to. And this is this is his him saying it, not me. So like, you know, U.S. government go after this fucking guy on Reddit, not me, that they can request a private screening. You're required to give it to them. You go into the other room. If something alarms that goes to another level of security, which means that they're getting like the full, the full everything with the pat down and the bag check. So that is exactly SOP, TSA SOP. Um, I had something incredibly fucking similar happen to me when I was working um, for TSA in Portland that I was I was working on bag check and I had like somebody flag the bag and i look on the uh the the screen cap of the x-ray and it's a bunch of like shoes with like wires running through them which is obviously sketch as fuck uh and so i like open the duffel and it's all like <laughs> oh, no. sealed plastic black plastic bags in the duffel and the guy's like i'd like to request uh, a private screening I'm like okay so i grab somebody and we go back into the other room and he's like hey i'm with nike he showed me his nike credentials he's like everything's fine i just these cannot be seen in public these are prototypes for self-lacing shoes i'm taking them to the east coast to do a photo shoot with kevin durant um and i open up each of the bags and sure enough like nike branded with like the little self-lacing button that would tighten the laces to fit the foot and then stop and i did all the screening and everything and so i was like this is like exactly what this guy experienced this random like schmuck at whatever airport uh he happened to be at uh, screening this and so I absolutely believe the veracity of this like I think this is totally accurate I think that this is unintentionally like the biggest leak that has happened with regards to uh, the switch successor because of the fact that he had eyes on a machine that like I said based on my own experience 
there's no way that someone who doesn't work for TSA could have that degree of specificity and also have a shot of a TSA badge that is literally a TSA badge. Um, so I think this is 100% true. I'm super interested as to what that means with like the scroll bars on the shoulder buttons. I know that in the very early Switch patents that came out, we knew that was something Nintendo was looking at. Um, I say this is a more significant leak than some of the like other patent stuff that just came out like today or yesterday with regards to like smartphone integration, because who knows if that's actually something that they're looking at with this console or if that's just tech that they're kind of kicking the tires on. Because we know the scroll wheels were in the NX leaks uh, with the the patent specs, and then that didn't come to fruition until now, presumably. Um, so damn, if true, and again, I think it is, this means a lot of things. It means it's a proper home console. It's not a hybrid console. It means that they're playing with the scroll bar tech on the shoulders. Uh, and it means that we are as close as we expected to an announcement on this console. Um, if they're getting dev kits out all over the place. Uh, what do you think, fellas? Yes, he he describes the TSA screening procedures, which you can Google and find on TSA's website. And he did share a badge, which was a very, very close-up shot of a badge on a blue shirt, which, again, a Google search shows you 9 million versions of that. It is plausible. In line with what you would expect. Plausible, exactly. It is one guy making up a story essentially and we've seen a lot of similar hoaxes of someone who claims to be in the know and now I'm telling you I mean you. even even lately wait what do we this is totally not the same thing but like Chris in the NBA I don't know if you were aware of the NBA referee burner controversy that happened uh yeah just an elaborate ruse by a fucking fan ha taking the piss and it got, went so far and was so elaborately done that like the NBA actually had to investigate and pull him off the finals. And it was, it was years in the making, you know, and it's just like ultimate NBA troll set up this elaborate burner account that didn't actually belong to an NBA referee by all indications. You're like, how could it not be? How could it not be real? Like he only responds to tweets about the particular ref who we assume is actually operating the account. He only follows like his own wife and her, uh, the school she works at, and the tweets go back like six years or something, right? Just a troll who's been doing this for six years that finally came to fruition. So anyway, it could be, this is not even elaborate. I get that. I get that. And yes, you can, you can access the basic screening procedures for TSA, but you cannot access publicly, but you cannot access the level of detail like that you cannot find online what is going to happen if your bag alarms, because if they put that information online, that's how people learn how to circumvent the security measures. Like it's, it's kept internal for a reason. Yeah. But people can just work at TSA and make up lies on the internet too. <laughs> that's I know. <laughs> I, I am, I am aware of that, that they can. I just, I, I, this is, this is one of the more credible instances again, because of the fact that I had something very specific happen with another major corporation that they're like, we cannot have this screened in the public eye because it could get photographed. That could make its way online. That could be really bad for us. We're not ready for that. Clearly, they are slow walking this console reveal until they are damned well ready for it. It could be very bad for them that gets photographed. I just it's it's I don't send rumors and leaks and stuff to y'all as podcast fodder unless I'm like this 
honest to God, is just too many specific things all happening that are too close to potentially being real. If it ends up being a host, I'll be like, you got me. That's like, clearly, you know, somebody who works for TSA or you work for TSA and you're just, as you said, EJ, taking the piss. But I just don't know what incentive anybody could necessarily have to do that. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I believe it. You remember the NX leaks with the elaborate oval and the fucking... The Grinch. Oh, that looked like, fake as that looked fake as hell. Like, come on. Like, we didn't. But it was look at based go, on a like, patent that Nintendo had filed. So, which like, is it, why the it's same patent too, this thing is. Which is why it's too <laughs> conspicuous. Like, it's just like no. Like, it's obvious. It's obviously a shop. Obviously, that was never the thing. Like, we knew that. I knew that. Like, I no, 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 no. I don't know. Pretty good. Anyway, I understand why you're so biased in this instance. Informed. It, it, yeah, you've you've experienced something similar, which is exactly the kind of people that are being targeted, right? The niche TSA Nintendo fans. <laughs> yeah, that's the play. <laughs> They'll confirm it for me. Anyway, anyway, Nick, let's pretend this is true. It would make sense. They are obviously developing the successor of the Switch, whatever that may be. Let's just start with the scroll wheels, okay? What are your thoughts on what this might be and 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 what they could be doing? It'd be a gimmick that would barely get used for like one game. A thousand percent. Probably. Probably. I don't know. At best, it'd be used in like racing games as like a replacement to the analog triggers that they already did with the GameCube but haven't gone back to because I don't know. Maybe it's like too expensive, but for some reason, a wheel would not be more expensive. I don't. I don't get the logic. I don't. You'd have to show me the software that goes with the hardware for me to be excited about the prospect of gimmick hardware at this point. Nintendo's absolute insistence on always doing something. I don't want to use the word, uh, innovative in their mind, innovative, Sure, but they're always trying to do something different when it hits, it hits, but when it doesn't, it's just the IR sensor on the right joy con. Like you forget it's even there and it's not useful and it's just making the whole thing more expensive. But like the DS would not be, a huge megaton hit if it didn't have the two screens and the touchscreen on the bottom. So they've had a shaky track record with that, I guess you could say. Well, and then you look at something like the Wii and like that gimmick hit and they sold a million units. They were so invested in the gimmick that they were less focused on making great games and they pushed away a lot of third party developers and it led to this massive lull. And I know the Wii U had its own set of 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 drawbacks, right? That that led to some of those pitfalls, but like it led to a really dark decade for Nintendo to the point where people were like, should they sell their IP and just become a developer? No one actually thought that unless they were idiots, but I will just to touch on the, the scroll wheel. I do think that it's a more interesting sort of wrinkle as far as a method of input, because it is a used method of input already in a different form with scroll wheels on mice and computer gaming, but I don't know. Does Nintendo have any, they have no idea what's going on with other consoles. I don't believe they know what people are even using scroll wheels on, on computers for. So it'd be interesting to see that, I guess like, like what's the thing you use your scroll wheel the most for in video games. It's like switching between weapons. I mean, it's not even used for anything paramount. You don't in a, in a video game. It's just to move a web page up and down is your number one reason to use the scroll wheel. Right. That's exactly it. But it's still better than an IR sensor on the bottom of a Joy-Con or even gyro control, which is like really cool and people really like. And when it's not there, people will complain about it. But what other what other modes of input do you really need? There's already 12 fucking buttons on these things. 
two analog sticks. We don't need more buttons. It's like overwhelming enough as it is. If you try to like introduce someone to video gaming, they don't want to have that many buttons to mess around with. It's just the true sickos like us that like consider, oh man, if I had back paddles, then I could jump and, and strafe and like aim all at the same time and I wouldn't have to take my thumb off the stick. Hey, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Can I just like, I think we're thinking about this the wrong way. I think we should be extremely fucking grateful that this is the gimmick as opposed to something bigger and stupider that could just lose them third party developers again again you know what i mean like i mean they they solved that issue with the wii u i mean the wii u had all the buttons that you would need for third-party games and they they recognized that was a big hurdle between the wii and the 360 and ps3 as far as getting third-party developers on on board is like the method of control is so important to have a uniform ish uh way to translate these games between different platforms right so they've already got that figured out they've solved that i don't think they're gonna back backtrack that heavily like it would truly be dick steppingly bad if they did that Yeah, look i mean i i know you want to think that but if we've learned anything from nintendo it's if you think they're gonna zig they're gonna zag and yes the wii u had like proper no, they're not gonna zag in that way like they're they're not that short-sighted ej clip this if it ever happens the wii u also had a fucking tablet controller that no one developed anything for it was literally dead well, the weight. The PS4 had a, had a touch screen or a little touchpad in between its buttons that nobody did and anything with And the touchpad was extremely useful for mapping buttons in a lot of games. Like It was extremely useful for being have a big select button, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah. can swipe directional input. In God of War Ragnarok, I had every single direction of swipe set to something, and it was all fucking yeah, useful. Yeah, and you could make Mario Maker levels on the Wii U gamepad. It was great for that one game. For a first-party <laughs> game. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Is that, like, if you... I am grateful that this is a really minor gimmick and that they are just making a proper home console that, according to some other leaks, is on par with like a PlayStation 4, Xbox One, which is great. I don't need it to be stronger than that. I don't need a fucking PS5 ass Nintendo so I can see Mario with ray tracing. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, it'll be great that it'll be graphically good. Uh, and it'll look a lot Imagine better. Imagine new Pokemon Snap 2 with the scroll wheel for zooming in and out. <laughs> See, and that's just it. Like, you could do some fun stuff with it, and then other developers can ignore it and just use use the click function and the back uh, triggers, and they will not have to worry about it. I think it's great news that it's not another big fucking gimmick. I agree, as long as it does not negatively impact the already... Uh, used function of a left and right bumper like if they can do the thing that logitech mice does where you can have the free spin or like lock it down so if it's not used i can just manually do that then great but if it's just always at risk of spinning when i'm trying to just treat it as an rb like that's gonna be bad so it's gonna be that's terrible. part of the reason why i don't believe that i don't think it's ergonomically feasible for it to do both like it wouldn't be able to do double duty they would need to have a separate button and then it gets really cramped up there and then it gets really annoying and that is believable from Nintendo to an extent, but I don't think that any of their designs have been less than elegant in a way. Like the 3DS has its problems, but like visually, conceptually even, it, it should just work. It's just that the technology for the circle pad is bad, but they really, they locked themselves into that because they had to stick with the clamshell design. I don't think they would do that with this, but I also don't believe this leak because I don't think their next console is going to be strictly a console i think it's still going to be a portable hybrid oh i don't think that at all 
And I think I said that on this podcast that I'm like, we need to savor the Switch days. I seriously, seriously doubt it's gonna it's gonna do that. They may do some cross platform releases like Princess Peach and the Ouija Two remake will probably be on both handhelds, uh, both consoles. But I don't think I don't I don't think that. Yeah, I guess I guess if they did, they could they could keep backwards compatibility with. 99.9% of their catalog. Absolutely. If they had it strictly on the TV, like there, there's very, very, very few examples of games that are only playable and handheld. And those are like not first party and they're mostly mobile ports. So they do not matter. So I would be fine with that. Honestly, if that, like if they can reduce the cost by not having to include a handheld screen and battery and all this kind of stuff to like make this idea work, that would be fine for me. I don't know if that would, it would see the same mass market success because I mean, the Switch Lite did not do as well as I thought it would when that was announced. Like, oh, a cheaper version of the Switch, but it doesn't dock to the TV. Like, that makes sense. They could sell that and do gangbusters. But the Switch OLED has sold better than the Switch Lite has, which is kind of interesting. They and want I don't the think home console. Nintendo would have foreseen that. People yeah, want, they the want a more expensive console. thing, a nicer thing. Yeah. Wait, what did the Switch also, Lite sell? The, I mean, the OLED also is only better than the original Switch in that it has a better handheld functionality so what does that mean does that mean they want to spend more money on a nicer thing or does it mean people are playing handheld more like i'm sure they have the metrics on with the use case i remember seeing that it was largely 50 50 like people playing handheld people playing on tv and who spends more time doing what like they've shared a little bit of that information but not in too terribly great detail as far as like demographics and everything goes yeah, I don't understand why Nintendo insists on doing this. It's like, just keep doing what you're doing. It's working. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. No pun intended, okay? <laughs> like, just make good games. Nintendo has been at their absolute best when they're just focused on making quality games. We know what a console should be. We know what a controller should be. You don't have to change that, okay? Just make some competent hardware going into this fucking new decade and keep making good games. This is not rocket science, you know? And I'm sure that there is diminishing returns. Like, people don't want to buy a new video game console every four years the way that they did back when you were, like, making these massive jumps. People who have their Switches now, they're going to keep those Switches until their kids are too old to play video games anymore. And you're going to have to wait till next decade when the cycle fucking resets before there's another, like, gangbuster hit. I'd be okay with a console only, Nick, like you said, but, like, it needs to be PS4 level console that is only a console would be such a failure. Again, your leagues behind the competition, third party ports are going to be a fucking pain in the ass. And the thing that makes the switch so great is the functionality between handheld and, and television. So if you're going to do a console only, you need to do it properly. And if you're going to do a handheld, then you need to just follow the blueprint that you've already laid out with the switch and that the PC uh, handheld market is starting to dive into. Like, Pick a lane. I would expect it would be about as powerful as like a Xbox One X because they could probably get away with doing that for $300. And I think the price point is there. That's the thing they want to focus on is how expensive it is. The people will come for the first party support. We know that. And if they can still get third party, like if they can make the porting process tenable, then by all means, that's great. But that is not their their main focus. Like the first party titles are the main focus. And the, the price point, like you said, like that $300 price tag on the Switch has that is why it is selling so well is that people are like, well, right. my kids want to play some new games. Everybody likes Nintendo. They probably played a Nintendo game at some point. And they're like, I'm not going to pay $500 for my eight year old 
to play PlayStation 5 were getting a Switch or a Switch Lite. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at how the One S or the Series S is priced versus the One X and how that kind of shakes out performance per dollar. I think Xbox is uh, taking a loss on the Series S, but and there's still a little bit of uh, consternation as far as uh, developers having trouble getting their games running uh, as well on the the Series S and the Series X because they Xbox wants every game to be on every Xbox Series console, which makes sense. But they kind of they split the difference a little bit too far, perhaps. So some developers have trouble with that. But I mean, if they're only targeting one uh, uh, SKU with the Nintendo future console then if it's that locked in the only strange thing becomes okay this is the nvidia mobile chip because they still have a long long uh contract going with nvidia so how that sort of works and the translation layers and the processing between uh i mean ej i'm sure you've watched similar videos through like mvg talking about how the uh the next generations of nvidia mobile architecture is different enough that it would be kind of difficult for them to have a just completely native uh backwards compatibility with the switch but i think they really do need to keep that software compatibility to maintain confidence between the consumer and nintendo to say hey we know that your digital libraries are growing we do not have the same kind of 50 50 split 60 40 70 30 split that the other console manufacturers have but we want to keep growing in that direction because it's more lucrative for us how do we maintain that trust and say, hey, we, you bought those games and you can still play those games because they have to be playable in order for that backwards compatibility and that software library to carry forward. It, it takes a lot of work if they're doing that for every single software title. I don't think they want to do that. They want to have just a one size fits all approach. So I don't know how that works uh, for Nintendo. If they can do that, that would be great. I don't I don't really care too much. I mean, it'd be nice if it came with automatic improvements. If like I could play breath of the wild or tears of the kingdom and it had a better resolution if it had a better frame rate on the new console that would be awesome i don't expect that i don't have that it'd be nice if it played at all but i also still have my switch and it's and it's easy it's not as cumbersome as keeping a, a wii u around right the wii u is a lot bulkier it's harder to Cumbers. get set up and Come like start it. Yeah, but don't i mean we're think so about lazy it. we're all we're, we're so spoiled nowadays EJ, oh come people on. are so lazy they don't want to buy physical games because they don't want to switch out a cd or a cartridge they just want to click on the thing and start it up that that's that little thing is enough for people to say hey i will forego all my rights as an owner of this software just because i want to hit the title and it's pop up so yes people are that lazy i think we're going to be lucky if this is backwards compatible They'd have to justify it. It would have to be that much better for it to matter. Well, I know. Is that That's their what problem, they're though. thinking? <laughs> well, it's all of our problems. And it's the same way that Nintendo's lack of like continuity with their infrastructure outside of the Nintendo account, which is, surprise, surprise, the only thing they have said publicly about this console is that it's going to have Nintendo account support. Uh, right, for that continuity. Yeah, I expect, I expect nothing. Um, like, the fact that I couldn't bring my digital library from the wii u to the switch is stupid the fact that i couldn't bring uh the fact that i'm probably not going to be able to bring a lot of my digital library from the switch to the next console is stupid like i don't i don't know i just have a hard time seeing how they will make that backwards compatibility uh happen and i don't think that they think they need to i think that they see these as like distinct devices with distinct things 
And if it becomes another matter of like, here comes the port machine where we're going to start bringing Switch games over to the NX2, like people are going to get really fucking tired of that. Like it was one thing on the Wii U because it's a failed console, but the Switch is a massive success. And if they're like, okay, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, sure, like bring it over, like for sure, bring it over, do a deluxe edition, whatever, like bring it over. Um, But if it's like, okay, here's Pikmin 4 coming over. Okay, here's... uh, Here's Super Mario Odyssey coming over, and it just like I, Link's Awakening DX with a good frame rate. <laughs> Link's Awakening NX. Oh, <laughs> oh, that is good, uh, but also depressing. Sony basically just looked at the PS4 and said, "What if we dialed this to 11, sold it for 500 bucks, and give you free PS5 versions for almost all of these games that no, you I know. already own." It hasn't hurt their fucking sales. And Microsoft has a deep, a deep backwards compatibility library now. Nintendo is light years, light years behind these other developers, which is exactly why I'm like, if there's any backwards compatibility, compatibility, it's going to be some serious jank. Uh, It's going to be obtuse. It's not going to work well. Um, I just, yeah, I... This is what I expect. This is what I expect is that I will continue to play my Switch games on my Switch until that is no longer supported with any like additional, you know, eShop like Switch eShop closing 2028. <laughs> like I, I can just see... want a Switch Pro, man. I know. Come it, on. I know. I know, but it's man. But just spoiled 30-year-olds we are. <laughs> well, is it spoiled or is it expecting like the going the market minimum. the going market minimum yeah. yeah like you said for what what these new machines should be able to do it all just comes down to price point for me like if they're charging $500 then i would expect $500 of you know like that puts it in that echelon but if it's still hey this is a 250 this is a $350 device then that changes the the math for me i guess See, i don't know to me Price just doesn't matter, and I know it does to the wider market, I guess, but like, this is a console you're going to be playing for five, six, seven, eight years. It doesn't matter if to me if it's $300 and $500. I can wait another month or two months to buy it if I'm like that strapped. Like for something that you are not going to buy again, or in the Switch's case, we might be looking at almost a decade by the time the next Nintendo console comes out. The price doesn't really matter that much. Bro, and, how like, many Switches have you bought, EJ? I bought launch switch. I bought better battery switch. I bought OLED switch. I bought second OLED switch when the first one uh, had a dead fan. And then I bought Sarah, the Animal Crossing switch. <laughs> and you bought we, the switch light too. We had a switch light for a while. Oh, buddy. No, but but I'm just mean like if you if you look at a video game console as an investment, that two hundred dollar difference is you know you're making that back over six years. In perceived value, you know, if you enjoyment, that's that's EJ's take. Here's here's Chris's take, which I think is a little more reflective of the overall market. I bought an OLED switch the day that it was released because it was three hundred dollars if or three hundred fifty dollars. If they had priced that at four or four fifty, I would not have bought that machine. I bought a switch at launch because it was three hundred dollars. I waited years to buy a PlayStation five. Because that extra $200 was a substantially bigger piece of my monthly income that I had to wait until I was able to do with fiscal responsibility. That is the state of the economy. That is the state of the average American consumer, lower middle class, middle class. It does matter. Now, if it comes at the cost of backwards compatibility, I'm going to feel some kind of way about it. 
because it's just embarrassing that they're behind this. But if it's $300, no backwards compatibility, I'm like, okay, I'm still buying that machine day one. And also that this is without even mentioning that, you know, that the next generation console that Nintendo puts out, it's going to be a $70 minimum for the games. Right. Yeah. With like exceptions for the smaller titles, like WarioWare, you know, that's still going to be like 50 bucks, but it's going to grow. And then do the, do the thing where they say, Hey, this is backwards compatible, but if you want to get the 60 FPS patch for breath of the wild, shout out another 10 bucks and then you get the game of the year edition or whatever. I mean, that's feasible. People were doing Xbox 360 was doing that back in 2006, 2005. So who knows? They've got a lot of different options as far as the way they sell this. I don't know what they're like, what is the important things that Nintendo wants to put in this next console versus what are the things that we're looking for? Like, I think it's pretty uniform that, yeah, we want a better performing console. The next console will be better performing. Uh, beyond that, it's just uh, what happens with my library. And I think Nintendo is aware that that is the big thing that people are going to be asking about. So sure about and that. They've been they've been saying, well, yes, because sure they've been that? saying the thing, like you said, Chris, the thing that they've talked about is that it will continue using their Nintendo online infrastructure and that your account will carry forward. So did the Wii U and the 3DS and so did the Switch. No, that was a hard cutoff between the Switch and the Wii U. So, I mean, they were like, yeah, that system worked okay for what it was, but we are doing this new thing with Switch because we want it to be carrying forward. We want to have it the cross the cross sort of uh, pollination with mobile. I mean, that initiative seems to have not borne fruit necessarily we've had success there with uh they they got a lot of money for fire emblem because gotcha waifus but beyond that i mean animal crossing did okay uh pikmin joke mario didn't do what they wanted it to different sort of pay structure there as well so they're just being quirky nintendo um but i don't know i i think that even though it's not the best i think they're going to keep pushing forward with what they have as far as the uh account system goes and I, I would assume that like what other benefit would that have besides having backwards compatibility with the previous console? Like what other benefit would that have? Like, except that you're paying for the same Nintendo online instead of it being a switch online. If they don't call it switch Two, then it's just Nintendo online. I guess that's the one thing they change. I want to address something Chris said here. So you, you brought up some examples about like, Oh, if the OLED had been $500, well, the perceived value between a $300 Switch that plays the same games and a $500 Switch that plays the same games, no, the gulf of $200 is outrageous. Or, you know, the example of the PlayStation, yeah, playing a, a, a multiple $100 markup on something that's $500, that's also outrageous. But, like, the PS5 is $500, and that didn't stop anyone from buying it. It was been out of stock for two years. It's selling better than the PS4 sold, which was, like, the best-selling console fucking almost ever. So, like... The difference between $300 $500 clearly doesn't matter to the market at large. So my point being like, yeah, if Nintendo was going to pedal out a Switch successor that like doesn't justify itself for $500, that's a that's like a different way to look at it. Like all they've upgraded is the screen and they're charging $200 for it. That's bad value. But if it's a true like successor and they do what Sony did, which is just all they did was dial the, the power up and say, hey, we're going to commit to like making good games. Everybody wants it. They're selling gangbusters. So Nintendo could drop the ball. They could do a half-assed port uh, or half-assed machine and charge way too much for it and like really shoot themselves in the foot. But you know the the market needs to look at whatever Nintendo does next and say that's worth upgrading to. 
I, I don't think scroll wheel is going to get them there. Hopefully the software would get there. Like if they say Mario Kart nine and X two, $400 people will show up. Yeah. I bet that has generally been how Nintendo does things is with compelling software. So I don't think that is the problem. I think it's mostly just the value and perceived value, like you said, EJ, and whether they stick to the hybrid console that will severely limit the power that they can put out as far as graphical uh, fidelity. Has that mattered for the Switch? No. Will that matter for the next console? Probably still no. But if they do do a console, like strictly console version, then it's going to be more powerful, obviously, because they'll stick to that $300 target and they could do a lot more if it's only just outputting to a TV. But is that enough for Nintendo, quirky Nintendo, trying to innovate and surprise and delight like they want right. to do? Like, I don't know. I mean, is the scroll wheel surprising and delightful enough? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. Probably not. Probably not, but it doesn't matter if it's just coming with Mario Kart 9 or like, you know, the next Animal Crossing, the next Splatoon. Like they have these huge juggernaut IPs that it does not really matter what you're playing them on. Look at the GameCube. I think this is going to be the closest analog to what we're going to see with this console where they just made it stronger. It was the strongest machine that was available on the market at that time, which is still so funny to me in hindsight, given everything that happened after. But it was the strongest machine on the market. It was like a neat design. The cube thing was cool. The little mini discs was adorable. Um, but other than that, it was just a home console. It's just a home console. When that launched, the reviews of the GameCube were brutal. That console was shit on up and down because it half the size of the regular DVD disc. You can't even fit a normal game on there. They had to cut so many things for that. Right. Well, there's there's a lot of things at the time that people were really unhappy with. And it sold, what, 20 million units? Like It was a complete failure. That is not what Nintendo wants to do with their next console. Like that would be that would be pretty pretty rough. You have to look at the market. Like the market is important when you're looking at what you should be doing next as a company. And if, you know, the, specific to the GameCube, like the PS2 was like marginally underpowered in comparison. They didn't have mini discs holding them back. And you could play DVDs. So they sold 200 million of those damn things because what am I not getting on a PS2 that I can get on a Nintendo? That's another thing is I don't think Nintendo wants to be in direct comparison between Microsoft and Sony. So that kind of lends credence to this rumored uh, console only version. I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. I don't think they would do that. I mean, they could. Obviously, they can zig where we think they'll zag like we've talked about. Nintendo does whatever the fuck they want. But also, I think the Japanese market is still really important to them. Like they're so, so extremely dominant. I don't know why they would just give up on that to try and chase what like. They're not struggling for success with the Nintendo Switch. So what would going back to a, a console style that they've historically struggled to like compete in the past? Like, why would they go back to that? Why would they choose that battle? You know, I don't, I don't know what benefits them from that. I just had an interesting thought here as I'm like, OK, how do they how do they not? How do they convince people to buy this when everybody and their mother has a switch and they're continuing to buy switches? That's exactly they make it. it a Wii U. The Switch is the Wii U game. Well, that's platform. what I'm saying. Is remote play <laughs> remote play to the Switch? Remote no. play to your Nintendo no. Switch? No, yeah, Nintendo Online. That Love does it. not. No, that is what a failure that would be. No, the, you get people to care about what you're doing next, not by selling another 120 million consoles. You make a Switch Pro, you sell 20 million of those, and you keep making software that sells. Tens of millions. That's clearly not happening. So let's move out of the realm of what we wish they would do and into the realm of what is actually going to happen. 
I'm telling you. I don't think it's that hard. I think it's just software that only runs the new console. I mean, PS5 did not struggle to sell when there was so many PS4s out there, despite it just being a more powerful PS4. Like that's like the that's the thing. It's a big ugly PS4. But people still want the PS5 because it has the pretty graphics and it's new and it's expensive and you can only well <laughs> with the crossplay stuff, the or not the crossplay, but the um cross-generation releases. You could still play The Last Horizon on PS4 and The Last God of War on PS4, which is pretty funny. I can't imagine those being uh, terrible, but obviously they want to be played on the PS5. So Nintendo (laughs) is not afraid of ripping off that Band-Aid. They are not going to be like, oh, no, should we put the Mario? Should we put our next uh, Mario game on both? Like, no, they're just going to put it on the one and say, fork over the money. You know you want to. And we will. So that's not a big deal. I don't think that they're going to struggle to sell sell consoles it's just the switch is so successful i don't know why it's been so so successful i don't know what it is that is like selling it so hard is it just the portable aspect of it and they've had great success with portables in the past it's not the price of the games i know that was why 3ds was successful to a large extent it's because hey i can get this console for 150 dollars, which is kind of expensive for what it is but all these games are 40 bucks and then there's like cool downloadable ones that are 10 or 15 so that's awesome. That's a good value. Yeah, it's the hybrid. But 100% it's the hybrid. Being able to not only be able, being able to play home console games on the go. Like I remember the first week the Switch came out, I'm riding TriMet and I'm playing Breath of the Wild and some guy gets on and sits next to me and after a second he looks over and then he's like, oh wow, like that, wow, that looks way better than I thought it was going to look on that portable screen. Like it was crazy to him, like how good it looked and it still is kind of crazy to me. But also... In a family home, being able to say, like, little Jimmy wants to play Switch, but mom and dad would like to unwind and watch something on the TV. Little Jimmy could take the Switch out of the dock and still play the same games without hogging the television. It's been big in my household. I just wonder if that has the same level of appeal the second time around. Obviously, the 3DS did not reach the highs that the DS had, and that that song and dance kind of got old. So does another hybrid console hit? Like, do they just say, hey, this is the next Switch. It's more powerful. Like, obviously, that's what I would want. But will they do that? I don't know. (laughs) So here's the thing. No matter what they do next, it's not going to sell 120, 130, 150 million units. It's just not. Like, these things come in waves. There's only so many people to sell video game consoles to. And for a vast majority of Switch owners, that's going to be good enough. Like I said earlier, like, why do they need something else, right? The casual market doesn't need the next best thing. So that's going to be tough. We're going to expect a, a, a drop in sales regardless. They're totally going to do this smartphone thing, aren't they? Oh, stop that. God. I smartphone that. integration. Like, cause we're sitting here and going Ugh. like, what's the iteration? Why would they just make a home console? Like what's, what's the gimmick? It can't just be the scroll wheels, scroll wheels with smartphone integration, being able to like flip screens around like, oh boy, I would hate that. Really, really hate that. But wouldn't that just be on brand? Is there like, here's a dedicated app that will let you do the smartphone integration components of all of our titles coming to the uh, Nintendo mobile. I don't know. Like that I just, would be <laughs> a fucking death rattle, dude. That would be, I mean, we still don't have people don't have access to the internet in so many places in the world. You think everyone's going to have a smartphone that's compatible? Well, I mean, that, that would be insanity. That would be insane. And they, it sounds like something they would do, though. Their their Switch online app completely fucking failed. That'd be Tommy Tallarico's Switch 2. I hate it. I hate the idea that Nintendo's uh, 
They're in their own world. And it seems that they are generally pretty out of touch and that when they are successful, they are, in, they are successful despite themselves. Except for the Switch. The Switch was a, mean, a clear, a clear success in every, in every single phase. Like, it was the idea that could yeah, bank on great their idea. years of portable gaming dominance with their stable of IP and getting third-party support. No, it, that, that was good. Yeah, and it was executed well. Part of the reason the Switch did so well, too, was because for the average consumer, the Switch was an upgrade on both the 3DS and the Wii, which came out in, what, 2006? For a lot of people, there was a pretty massive gap. Parents buying things for their kids. Oh, my God, I remember when I was so-and-so and I had a Nintendo, right? And for handheld gamers, the Switch was like such a massive upgrade from the 3DS. The 3DS was as noted on the console crusade console tier list is the worst <laughs> thing Nintendo's ever done for a lot of reasons. <laughs> so for a lot of people going from the 3DS and the circle pad and the tiny little screen to this like beautiful modern console on the go, like like I always joke, like you got Skyrim on a Game Boy, that's a massive leap. And that's in no small part why the Switch has been so successful. You know, Nintendo's always gonna make good games, right? Like they're always gonna do that. But You've got a lot of people to convince, and Nintendo's standard for success is like greatest selling console ever, and so they're not going to always be able to fucking hit that mark. I think they should keep it hybrid. That's that's all. I, I'm with you. I would love that. They're portable. Yeah, they're they are dominant in portable gaming. That's just where they they live and breathe. All their portable game, all their portable systems have been like awesome. So why deviate? As has been talked about for years now. The idea of making a dock that enhances the performance of the machine, there's no reason not to do that because you can make a handheld device that costs the same to produce, right? You upgrade the chip a little bit. You keep the screen 720p, which is perfectly fine. You know, you put that extra money in a dock that can enhance the games for for television play, and it's like you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, right? You're not really holding developers back from, from porting games that are really worth playing. The handheld will be a little more powerful, but it doesn't need to be outrageously so because it's not trying to like brute force 4K on your TV anymore. To me, if Sony were doing this, if they had come up with the Switch and sold 150 million units, it seems like they would be able to nail the next logical iteration. But another thing, a new console, if it's more powerful, would necessitate larger storage and also larger storage on the physical game medium. Unless you think they're going to assuage that completely and go purely digital, which I do not think they will do because they have so much uh, stock in physical media. So what does that look like? Do they, if this is a console at home, they could go back to discs, but then, Hey, that's, that hurts backwards compatibility unless they like glue a little card slot reader in that thing. Like, how does that work? Storage should not be a fucking problem. Storage is cheap. This should not be a concern. No, I'm talking about the game storage. The game format is a big deal. I think they maxed out at 32 gigs. Why? Because it's proprietary. <laughs> Make something better. Storage is cheap. Here's my pitch. And this is this speaks to like exactly what you were just talking about, Nick. We haven't had like the 3DS is dead. Long live the 3DS. You know, it's it's gone. It's over. Um, they have no handheld on the market other than the Switch. Continue to develop the Switch line, but move it in the direction of the Switch Lite. So we're going to give you a Switch Pro 
that is a light model, it's portable only, and continue to develop titles for Switch that are exclusively handheld titles while you develop your home console games for the new machine. Eat their cake and have it too in that in that regard, because then we're still getting excellent on-the-go Nintendo experiences with really high quality, and you could even do like buy it on NX2 or buy it on Switch. Like you you could feasibly do that. Let's make things more convoluted for the consumer. That's always the way to go. Listen, the DS is going to exist alongside the Game Boy Boy Advance. Okay. (laughs) Those are both portable consoles, though. Like if they are making a proper home console, could the Switch continue to be developed as their portable alternative? Like, could they continue to do that? Well, they would have to make their Nintendo DS Switch also have a card slot reader like the Game Boy Advance bottom part of the DS had. Again, the blueprint for success is there. They don't need to. Why we're, we're talking about all these like ludicrous fucking because ways it's Nintendo. That Nintendo can, They're not going to do know. it the way that we think they are. Like that is a given. If we expect it, it's not happening. So I'm like, I'm trying to go like real Charlie Day at the white at the at the corkboard thing right now, where I'm like, okay, so if this is a home console and the fucking scroll wheel shit's going on, and like, what's what's their mobile device? Like they got to have a handheld device. They always have a handheld device our entire lives. So I, that's where I see the switch continuing. That would be a great happy medium for me. The life of a Nintendo fan. I, I just hope that if it's a home console only that when you put the little uh, switch game card in, it sticks out the top, like a super Nintendo. That's all oh, I want. No. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. With the little eject button. That'd be cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that, I think that's a big deal though. Like the, the, the game card format is a big question mark. For me personally, like if the console's backwards compatible, it has to read that is the next uh, storage medium. Like if it's still portable, it still has to be solid state storage. It can't be uh, a spinning disc. That's a recipe for failure. Like the PSP. See, all of this would be pretty solvable if Nintendo was willing to take a loss on their hardware, like most reasonable companies, knowing that they're going to make billions of dollars in software sales. But Nintendo just has this boomer mentality about like we refuse to take a loss um and hey i guess it's worked for them so why change it and in which case trying to break this down logically doesn't matter so i can just stop my train of thought right now (laughs) yep oh my goodness well this has been the console crusade podcast we got through it chris came alive towards the end there because he got to talk about a 4chan leak that's the only way he can feel something Bro, you came into this podcast sounding like you smoked a pack of cigarettes last night. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. I cannot wait to take an ibuprofen and take a nap.